and joking too Sipping and roasting is what we do Light them up, drink them down Whiskey and cigars all around Cheers, y'all. Welcome, my friends, to this fine radio program known uh, quasi-internationally. It depends on if uh, my friend uh, Tom, who lives in Canada, is uh, listening today. Right, uh, right. But known quasi-internationally <laughs> as smoking and toasting. Uh, welcome back, my friends. It's show number 124. And boy, do we have a good one for you today. We're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant. Uh, locations in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth and at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston. And of course, right across the street. And I got to try this when my buddy Dave was in town. Uh, we went over and had uh, a lunch and some drinks at B&B Lemon. And it's awesome. Yeah, you That's told me that was great. Great little place, yes. So, it's Garrison Brothers Bourbon today. We are so excited. Uh, Dayton Voss, who is... Uh, I think officially known as the Bourbon Evangelist for nice. Garrison Brothers. Is that right? Am I getting it right? Bourbon Evangelist. Yeah, Bourbon yes. Evangelist. Okay. So we'll find out exactly what that job entails and why my guidance counselor never mentioned it in high school. I am so pissed. <laughs> right? I didn't know that existed because life could have been very different. You know? Well, you know, I could have arrived at this job a lot earlier if my guidance counselor pointed me <laughs> in the right direction. So uh, we're going to be, uh, we're, oh, I forgot to mention, we're live at Casa de Monte Cristo. Our uh, good friend Ken Wynn was able to set up for us to come in uh, and enjoy some cigars with the Garrison Brothers today because uh, we were told through the grapevine, Dayton, that you are a, uh, a big cigar guy. And we thought, well, let's, let's go and make sure we can smoke while we're sampling the whiskey. So I do love my cigars. All right. Doesn't hurt to have them with some whiskey out. That is for sure. So we're all uh, we're all uh, lighting up, Ian. What are you what are you lighting up over there? While I while this I is a uh, put K some Hanna this Soda one. Rogue Tyrant. Mm. I haven't seen this one before. I love the label on it. The label's very. Uh, I have to get. Oh, let's see if I can get this up in the. It's pretty cool. It's got the skull and the swashbuckling swords and everything else. So, and it lights up delicious. Were you able to uh, discern? You were talking about this right before the show went on. Were you able to discern if that is made in the Gurkha factory? I don't know anything about it, but it does say K Soda, and that's Gurkha. So, um, there's, there's. I'll look it up on uh, one of our breaks and have some more information on that. But uh, so far, it starts off really nice. It's kind of a medium firmness. Got a nice, a uh, uh, little bit lighter than medium brown color to it. The the pre light draw on this thing was a lot of chocolate and a lot of cedar. The uh, the initial light on this has a bit of bit of kind of white pepper in the back of the palate. Mm-hmm. I'm liking it so far. Well, I uh, I all of our cigars today came from the humidor here at uh, Casa de Monte Cristo, and uh, I have uh, just lit up, and I admittedly lit it too fast. I was just trying not to keep the mic down for too long uh but this is an alec bradley fine and rare which i think is their new release if i'm not mistaken it was on the end cap i always get sucked in by the end cap in the in the humidor uh, yeah well they, they yeah. their end caps are set up they're really great nice. i know you you walk in you're like ooh, look yeah they're like that. here's the new cigars yeah. here's all the award-winning cigars right right <laughs> yeah and then I, I go down the aisle and I shop and then I come back to the end yeah. cap and get one. <laughs> Happens every time. Uh, so this is the Alec ba- uh, Bradley Fine and Rare. Included on the uh, band on this is a rolled-on date, uh, as well as a number 
of the weekly production and uh, information about the supervisor, apparently, no. when it was being rolled. Now, so. now does, does it have a list of ingredients? No, it doesn't. But guess what? Only one day till Bud Light releases their ingredient list. One day. Tomorrow is February. That's when it comes out. Bud Light will now have a list of ingredients. You'll be able to know definitively that your Bud Light is made of water, malt, barley, and hops. If it's if it's not, it's actually not beer, right? They're spending multi-millions of dollars advertising that. Advertising it. (laughs) There's going to be an ingredients table. So I want to get to this. There, um, there is a reason I think this is so interesting. I clicked on, and one of the things that really is starting to frustrate me about the internet, and it even cre- creeps into getting ready for the show, is that more and more headlines of stories on the internet are wrong, or they're extremely misleading. It's oh, nothing right, right. but clickbait to try to get you yeah, yeah, to click on the story. Uh, it'll be a story about... Um, you know, a, a guy that crossed the road at a busy intersection, and the headline will be "Man defies death in traffic area." You know, it's that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, which I guess could be true. Well, it depends. Like if you in, in the gallery area here in Houston, that might actually be true. You're right. And <laughs> and by the way, before we go any further, let me just say uh, this is one of those shows where we are so happy to be in Houston because I have friends who are up in minus twenty one in Chicago and. Uh, Boston, where I think it's about four degrees today. So it's my, a uh, my it, brother it, sent me a screenshot of his weather, mm-hmm. uh, you know, weather channel thing on his phone, and it said minus forty. Oh my god! Your brother's in uh, International in, Falls, Minnesota. Oh my god! Minus forty. He sent one this Ian, morning that said crazy. minus thirty. So it's warmed up a lot. That's crazy. No, thank you. <laughs> so I was I was on the internet and I saw this headline that said Bud Light ingredients label could mean trouble. For craft beer, I swear to God, if if that's not exactly what it said, it it it's within a word of, of what it said. That was the gist of what the headline said, and so I of course go, oh boy, here we go. We so have I to check this out, it, and I'm thinking, well, you know, what is? Uh oh, is does this mean that like? Is there some new regulation coming? It's going to be expensive <laughs> for craft beer to have. No, here was the gist of the whole article, that people are becoming more health conscious. And that Bud Light is pointing out that their beer only has 110 calories in this ingredients label. That, by the way, isn't going to be on the can. It's only on the 12-pack box. I I don't think it's even going to be on the six-pack. Amazing. It's going to be on the 12-pack box. But somehow, that's going to make people who drink... Uh, You know, uh, a, a beer that has 160 calories in it that's actually good, that's going to force them completely away from the tastier beer. And in this article, they showed a Founders Dirty Bastard Scotch Ale. Uh Well, that's an amazing beer. Which is an amazing beer. We've had it on the show, right? (laughs) Uh, The Founders, and it said the Founders equals, and then it had three bottles of Bud Light. And I'm looking at that going, hands down, one dirty bastard over three bottles of Bud oh, Light. Absolutely. Any day. Not even a contest, right? Absolutely. For people who are into craft beer. So so the headline's false and, and completely misleading. But with that in mind, what we're going to do today is going to upset that apple cart even further. Because today, one of the beers that we're going to taste is a Lagunitas Daytime IPA. 
that clocks in at, and I'll verify this when we pull the beer out, but I believe it clocks in at 96 calories. <laughs> which means it's fewer than Bud Light. And it probably, well, first off, Lagolini is not going to put a, a, a label on there saying these are our ingredients because, right. first off, it's beer. Mm-hmm. Beer is a known factor, right? Right. All right. They might put what kind of hops I'm willing to bet it has a whole lot more flavor than Bud Light. <laughs> if it doesn't, it's going to be the worst thing Lagunitas has ever released. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it. Right. These guys have, why would they put their name on something unless it's got some level of quality? Now, admittedly, I'm not expecting a 96 or 98 calorie light IPA, although they don't call it light. It's just called right. daytime IPA. Well, they're not trying right. to make another little something male either. You right, know. right, right. I'm not expecting that to have the same level of flavor as something that's much bigger as a, as a uh, Dirty Bastard Scotch Ale. But I got to tell you, I bet it's got more flavor than Bud Light, just like you said. So we'll, uh, okay, we'll so, be tasting that. We'll find out. I haven't so tasted here's, it So here's another thing. If they're saying that, that, that the, uh, the, the Scotch Ale equals three Bud Lights... Well, the Scotch Ale is substantially more efficient than the Bud Light, apparently. <laughs> apparently, yes. <laughs> like, like, kudos to efficiency yeah. on that, right? Not only did besides, it taste better. <laughs> besides, Bud Light, you have a very finite amount of time that you can drink it. Like, it's got to be ice cold, and you got to drink it while it's ice cold, or it turns very ugly very quick. Mm-hmm. So you have to drink three of them if you're sitting there for an hour. A Scotch Ale, you can sip that in an hour. Well, with the and big, it'll be great. With the big Super Bowl weekend coming. You can count on Bud Light spending probably, I I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say I bet it's at least a billion dollars this weekend. It's certainly hundreds of millions, as many times as their ads are going to run during the Super Bowl and related, you know, uh, coverage all week, right? And it's all going to be this campaign. It's going to be about... The ingredients. The label. ingredients label. The ingredients. I just, you know what? We we have to start a campaign for for craft beer. The efficiency factor. You know yes. when you show up and and uh, and and you're the only guy who hasn't had any beer and everyone else is really annoying. Using craft beer, you can be ahead of the game in yes. way fewer beers. In way fewer beers. That's right. I mean, I'm just saying. This is this is you know. There's so there are where, reasons. For so it. where is the tipping point? In one Scotch ale. Founders, Dirty Bastard, let's say, or a six-pack of Bud Light. I have okay, so I no no contest because because like I want something with that much flavor. Now, if you mm. condense that six-pack of Bud Light down and and made an extract, you might find flavor in it. <laughs> yeah, but so, we didn't have to have flavor to begin that's with. A stretch. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think we'd have to have flavor to begin with in order for. I'm that trying to, to work. come up with ways. Here. Yeah, no, you're being a nice guy, which is you uh, know. Okay, so so again though, back to back to the thing. Um, the Scotch Ale is so delicious, and it's delicious cold. It's delicious warm, and it's not a beer that you sit down and slam and then smash the can against your head. Right. Okay. First right. off, it comes in a bottle. Bad idea. Don't try mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But um. And I, I think, honestly, craft beer drinkers don't drink beer the same way that, that macro well, beers no, are drank. For one, if I've got a Scotch Ale, I'm probably going to sit there and sip it and savor that flavor oh, yeah. during the time that you sitting next to me down three Bud Lights. Yes, absolutely. You know, it's going to last me a lot longer. That's good. I'm not nearly as worried about it getting a little warmer. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to enjoy it and savor it. In a way that's not even going to... The only thing you might have on me is thirst quenchability. When's the last you know, time you saw someone... Because you're throwing them back. When's the last time you saw someone with a, with a buried hatchet 
do uh, uh, do a shotgun with it, you know? Doesn't happen. <laughs> well, I was just... that, being said, <laughs> that being said, maybe Mark. I was going to say, I think it was the last time we had your friend Mark on the show. But, uh, but you know, that's, that's a special situation. We were uh, sitting here talking. Going back and forth, and he was he was just kind of watching us, and he got bored, so he starts shotgunning beers. <laughs> and it, uh, it, it was brilliant. Yeah, it worked. It was a brilliant moment. <laughs> All right, so we got a lot to do on the show today. We're gonna uh, be tasting some Garrison Brothers that uh, Dayton has brought along with him, which we're very excited about. I'm super and that's one of the that. reasons we wanted to be here at Casa de Monte Cristo, so we could uh, enjoy pairing them with some cigars. Uh, Dayton, what uh, what are you uh, smoking? What uh, what cigar is that that you've got there? Uh, it's funny you should ask. Uh, I got a Legrand Fabrique from Drew Estates, oh, and I nice. have not lit it as of yet. Oh, oh okay. Well, we let's let's get you underway. While I would tell you about uh, yet another, and this will be coming up in the next segment, yet another attempt by the government to infringe on your rights to buy and enjoy premium cigars. There's a new bill going in front of Congress that, if it passes, will ban online cigar sales. Think about that. That's crazy. That's nuts. That's nuts. They, they, again, they're not understanding what premium kind of, cigars. What kind of justification could you have for well, that? Well, because they're th- what they're doing is, you know, again, it's this thing where they're not stopping to, to separate what really happens in the real world and what they're trying to really do, which is to keep tobacco out of the hands of miners. Well, that, that's what this really is all about. All this legislation... All that stuff that's floating around. At its core, it's about keeping underage kids from get uh, from smoking tobacco. Because, as we know, underage kids have had a trend of buying the little cigarillos that you can buy in the convenience stores, yeah. the little machine made. But as we've pointed out so many times in the show, I, I, how many times have you been in Casa de Monte Cristo? Have you ever seen any underage kid hanging around looking through the humidor trying to see if he can figure out. No, I've never seen, like, I've been to a convenience store and a kid goes, hey man, can you get me a pack of cigarettes? I have never once had that experience where the kid goes, hey man, um, that Alec Bradley looks really good. (laughs) If I give you the money, will you get me a gun fire? Here's $12 (laughs) for one stick. Yeah, right. It just doesn't happen. (laughs) But I think this is what's happening here as well, because this is tied to a bill that's all about flavored tobacco and e-cigarettes and all of this other well, stuff, this and is, included in it is cigars. This is going back down that same road of, of you have information, what do you do with it? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, like the Bud Light thing. Mm-hmm. They have information. People like to know what's in the stuff that they consume. Right. Um, I'm pretty sure that goes to um, energy bars, mm-hmm. cereal. Yep. Um, um, energy drinks. Energy drinks, mm-hmm. right? Beer is a pretty known factor. Mm-hmm. You know, I guarantee you put calories on every beer out there. People are still going to buy those craft beers. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. It's not. It, and this is what. Well, again, I don't I don't want to become the marketing director for Bud Light. I really don't. But uh, there's <laughs> there's a real thing going on here where these guys are just hopelessly lost. Their product is in decline and they are hopelessly lost about what to do about it. Now, one of the things that, according to the story that I read, that they base this on is because sales of Michelob Ultra are up. Now, that's a product that, even though I don't particularly care for it, I will admit that they've done a nice job. Well, it's a very niche market, yeah. Yeah, because they've taken that market and said, okay, listen, if you are on, like, 
a strict enough diet that you're really counting your calories and your carbs. Here's one of the lowest carb and calorie ways you can actually have a beer. Oh, like yeah. I well, get, that's going, hey, there's a market, and we're filling this niche. Right. But right. nobody at Michelob Ultra is going, man, this stuff is the greatest tasting beer on the market. Nobody. They understand it. They, they know it. That, that, I, that is a purpose-filled product. Right and there. I realize that's another AB product, but... Anyway, uh, so uh, enough about that. There's so much else going on uh, that we want to talk about, including we want to tip our hats to a senator in uh, North Dakota who's introduced a bill, and I love this, to allow cigar smoking in cigar bars in North Dakota. That's a novel idea. Yeah, except apparently you currently can't smoke cigars in cigar bars in North Dakota. That's amazing. So our hat is totally off to this guy. I'm confused. Yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> so are most of the people in North Dakota. So uh, anyway, we'll get uh, we'll get back to all of that. Dayton Voss is here. We're going to talk about uh, Garrison Brothers. Why this brand is getting so much love right now? Because it really is. They're the earning people it. Are, people are crazy about it. So we'll talk about that, uh, and we'll do some sampling. Plus, we'll be trying in addition to the Lagunitas Daytime IPA. Uh, I have from Dorchester Brewing Company and Fat Orange Cat. The She's a Rainbow New England IPA. So we'll be trying that, that one. That sounds awesome. So, uh, and then it, it, for those who like to swing their taste in a non-IPA direction, we will also be tasting Epic Brewing's Big Bad Baptista. It's a 2008 rare release Imperial Stout. That sounds awesome. And it's Big right Bad Alley. Couple right quick, right oh, a couple <laughs> quick shout out. Uh, Howard Sandler says hi. What up, Howard? And Wade Woodard says hi, Dayton. Hey, hey Wade. <laughs> Wade is the man. Wade is the man. Uh, okay, so we will be right back and do some Garrison Brothers tasting and uh, find out more about what's going on at uh, this up and coming distillery that has taken the world by storm. It's smoking and toasting. Thanks for watching. It's smoking and toasting. It's show number 124. We are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant, 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. And we're live today at Casa de Monte Cristo at 610 and 59 in uh, in Houston, uh, very close to Westheimer, right in the Galleria uh, area. And we want to uh, extend special thanks to our buddy Ken Wynn, who was able to set up for us to be here so we could smoke and enjoy uh, a little Garrison Brothers on this week's show. So... I have to say, when I lit my uh, my cigar up at first, uh, this is the fine and rare from Alec Bradley. I really kind of overtoasted the end, so the first little bit of this was a bit harsh. But oh, it yeah. was—I don't think it was the cigar's fault. I think it was mine. I was—I <laughs> was going too fast. I didn't, you know, I didn't toast it quite right. You know, I, I got a little too much flame in there. It has now begun to even out, and I'm starting to get some really wonderful sort of cedar and nut uh, flavors coming through on this. It's really. Really, really nice. How about you, Ian? You're uh, you're this already is, like halfway into that baby. So there's there's a, a minor annoyance on this is mm -hmm. uh, the first this had two little two bands on it, a smaller one and a bigger one, and to get that smaller band off before I start burning it, actually you can see it kind of cracked my cigar a little yeah, bit. Yeah, see, I hate when that happens. Um, so that's a little annoying. We'll see how it smokes. Uh, flavor wise, this is an outstanding cigar so far. It's it's uh, it's a little more on the mild side, which I kind of expect from K Soda. Uh, mild to medium is usually their wheelhouse. 
Um, but it's got really nice flavor. It's developed. It's got a lot of this is this is like a coffee bomb right here, coffee and cedar, mm -hmm. and a, just a touch of chocolate in it as well. This is it's it's a fun cigar aside from that one minor annoyance now i got to try and peel off this bigger label and hopefully i won't have the well same and hopefully problem. not now we've talked about this a lot over the past year or so about how that's been one of the frustration with gurkha's products right is it's not the flavor that's ever been the issue but they've had some real issues across the whole line with construction now what we've also noticed is that in the past year, some of that has gotten a bit better, particularly on certain right. cigars in the line. Uh, the Signature Series is a good example of some gar some Gurkha cigars that are very well constructed, right. that do very well. So I was kind of hoping this one for you would, would work out. We'll see, I just, yeah, we'll well, see the, how like it rolls. Said, the flavor's outstanding, and if it if it doesn't crack any further than that or if it doesn't start flaking uh, once once the fire gets there, then it'll be fine. Good. Yeah, it looks good so far. So, All right. Uh, Dayton Voss is our guest. Dayton is the now, bourbon evangelist. You're smoking a cigar that you said you've had since, uh, since no, no, Christmas no, This is the one that... Uh, oh, this is yeah. one of the ones he... Okay, yeah. gotcha. You, you yeah. brought one that... Was that a present or something? Yes. My nice. son always gets me cigars for Christmas. And Fantastic. Uh, nice. <laughs> See, we love that. And you know... That happened to me for my birthday this year. Almost every gift I got was either cigars or some or like uh, a bottle of something or some smoking or drinking related gift. Like I got a nice little ashtray and it was the greatest birthday ever. <laughs> like I always say to people, I am not hard to buy for because my humidor gets emptier and emptier mm -hmm. every every day unless I go shopping. So right, you just walk you into just, a yeah. cigar shop. Yeah, walk into a cigar shop. <laughs> To, uh, tell them, to yeah, medium to full is where I usually go. Just say medium to full and let them go to town. There you go. So, and you can, you know, you can spend a few bucks and get a cigar, or you can spend as much as you want and get several boxes. It's totally up to you. The price range is completely negotiable. Now, see, and I went the other way. I got you something to hold your cigar. You did. So you, you got me. A great, well, it had, in in fairness, it had a couple of killer smokes inside. <laughs> well, there was that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. See, so I'm just saying. Uh, yeah. So it was. It, it, it was a. Uh, it was a great, great birthday. So, uh, all right. So, um, Dayton from uh, Garrison Brothers is here. Dayton uh, is is bourbon. First of all, is bourbon evangelist your actual title? It like, is. Does it, does it say that on brilliant. your business card? It is on my card. <laughs> uh, it is my job and my life's purpose to tout the gospel of good bourbon whiskey. Oh, no, wherever, awesome. wherever I go. Well, bless you, sir. But I got to tell you that. Uh, I've never really had bad bourbon. In fact, the worst bourbon I ever had was about like the worst sex I ever had. It was pretty damn good. So. <laughs> because you still still got bourbon. You still got bourbon, right? Well, that's a, that's that's a very good point. So let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, sure. there, there's been so many new whiskeys, new bourbons yes. that have come onto the market in the past several years as the category has just blown up. Uh, we'll get to the whole Texas thing in a minute because there's a whole bunch of Texas bourbon, Texas whiskeys, many of which are very good. But how do you stand out in a field that is suddenly, you know, just exploding. just exploding? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with. I don't want to jump ahead and get into the Texas thing, but that's. I think that's what what we're doing different is we we use all Texas ingredients and the Texas weather. So people ask me all the time, what can you compare this to out of Kentucky? And you can't. Mm -hmm. And that is the guy that taught us basically how to make bourbon was Mr. Elmer T. Lee at the uh, Buffalo Trace at Distillery. Buffalo Trace, yeah. And it was kind of, he all, he knew all about the aquifer in the hill country, and he thought it would make interesting bourbon. He didn't know if it would be good or bad. But, he but at was, least interesting. Well, he, he was letting us, he was willing to let us spend the money to find out. And uh, so we did. But uh, it's a, it's unique 
uh, doesn't taste like anything from Kentucky, and primarily because we're using all Texas ingredients, Texas water, and the, of course the Texas heat. Grain to bottle. We are grain to bottle. It is all food grade, organic, natural grains. Um, it, you can't. You can write. Uh, uh, organic on the bottle if you spend a lot of money to do it and the next year they'll change the definition for organic and you got to pay again you, uh, well so one one definition of organic stays the same needlessly expensive yeah well, there's <laughs> that. i believe is the actual translation let's see i can get this lemon for a nickel or this lemon for a dollar 75 which one do i want yeah i know what you mean i mean it, it, they will change the definition yeah they absolutely will and i will say just to speak to the water Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up actually uh, a little south of San Antonio, oh. drinking water from the Hill Country Aquifer. Um, then, when I became an adult, I wound up moving all over the country. I'm telling you that Texas Hill Country water is, it is the best right out of water the tap. It's I delicious. have ever had. That's right. I mean, we wouldn't, we didn't mess with any of the Brita filters or any of that right. stuff. Uh-uh. We just put it in a container and put it in the fridge, and off we would go. I mean. It was. Uh, it was. It's always been so good. So I'm not surprised. Well, down there, it's a different. We're we're there in high Texas. If we if you take a shower in that kind of water, you're going to be looking for another place to take a shower to get that stuff off of you. Mm-hmm. You use it to make coffee. You're going to need a chisel the next time you want to use that coffee maker. Mm, it gums up our, hard scaling. Huh? It gums up our irrigation equipment like you would not believe. But with the first time we pitched the yeast to it. Uh, the bricks reading was coming back somewhere around 18 to 21 percent, wow. which is absolutely unheard of. Yeast is supposed to die at 15 percent. Mm-hmm. It was just amazing to is us. Is it the mineral content? It of is the, water? the yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's incredible high dissolved solids in there. It's uh, just you know in Kentucky you can get the water out of the river and drink it. it tastes fantastic. Mm-hmm. Not so with there in High Texas. It just okay, gotcha. it is smells like rotten eggs. It's just <laughs> it's awful stuff. So but. But, uh, there's something about what this does in the distilling process. Yes, now, it, uh, that makes, really, really works because uh, because so much uh, of what I've tasted of Texas bourbon of a number of different brands, by the way, mm-hmm. is just really rich and very, very flavorful. It seems to take on the uh, the barrel, the aging barrel characteristics very, very well. It gets it gets very full and very. Um, the flavors are not muted. Is right. I guess the best way you could say it. it. It seems it seems to almost bring them out. So is this? Are you thinking this is largely because of the quality of the water? I think that has more to do with the heat in Texas. Kentucky, you know, they actually have seasons. Whereas Texas, right. we've got it's hot, and oh my god, we're going to die. It's so freaking hot. Uh, but distill it will go into wood at seventy degrees and above, and then come out underneath seventy degrees. Well, in August, it may hit one hundred and five degrees out there at the distillery, but that night it's going to go down to sixty-five. Right. So it is wearing the heck out of that barrel. And so you're saying it's kind of going yeah, in, it's coming out, coming, coming out. Right. Right. We are aging this bourbon. Well, I like to say in dog years. Uh, we, Interesting. Uh, it, every barrel that went up to make our twenty eighteen is between four and six years of age. But by the time we open a four-year-old barrel of bourbon, we have less than half of what we put into it because wow. of... Wow. Yeah, it's a terrible business plan, but the bourbon's pretty doggone good. <laughs> but uh, it, uh, it 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 takes a toll on what we, we put in a barrel. So right. it, it really does. Enough talk. What are we trying first? Yes. Well, from left to right, we've got our 2018 small batch. Uh, nice. We uh, we vintage our bourbon like wine because we sweet mash, we don't sour mash. So every year it comes out, it's just a little bit different, and that's why there's a, a date on the front of it. Uh, so there, this is our 2018 small batch on your far left. 
in the middle is our latest uh, release for w- w- something we're going to continue. It's our Balmeray bourbon, named after the springs out in West Texas. Uh, our master distiller, Donis Todd, put this together. It is a double-oaked bourbon. We aged it for two years in brand-new American oak barrels, and then we married the barrels together and let it rest for about six months, and then we re-aged it for another two years in another brand-new American oak barrel, but from a different cooperage with a different tar and a different toast. Interesting. Back up one whiskey. Sure. This is outstanding. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, And that mineral in the water, the mineral aftertaste, I really am very partial to that anyway, that kind of mineral water aftertaste. That sort of minerality on the finish, This is so rich and delicious and absolutely fantastic. Now, this one, again, the first one that we're trying, and this is, we'll do this one in this segment, and then we'll get to the the next one in in the next segment. But but this one, again, is, uh, is it that one, Ian, or is it the other? That's this one, right? Yes. Yes, okay. So, so this I got, is I, got the, right. I know my left right. and my right. Talk, talk to me, brother. What do we I'm doing? not sure what side they're on, but I know they're there. <laughs> as long as you got them. <laughs> so, and you're running. And that is a 94 proof bourbon. Not, yeah, it's it's a little overproof. The heat is is almost non-existent at the beginning. It comes say, back just a little bit well, later. Well, there's, there's a trick to that, um, and nobody does this hardly anymore, but we take out all the higher alcohols out of there. There's no butanol, there's no methanol, no propanol. Now, most people do leave that in. It does become a trace element, but that's the stuff that burns going down. It's also the stuff that gives you a hangover. Uh, butanol, as you well know, is the stuff that goes into a big lighter. Uh-huh. Propanol right. is what they make plastic cups out of. Methanol is the stuff that they race cars on, and it's also the stuff that be- caused the moonshiner's eyeballs to become de- detached from their retinas. So we decided way back when that we wanted as much of that. So as what we you're could- saying, whiskey good, you no go blind. <laughs> <laughs> well, we wanted as much of that as we could possibly get in our bourbon. Interesting. Actually, we didn't want any of that. So we take it all. It's about a third of what we make every day, and we just send it out to an evaporation tank, and it goes away. So it sounds like something you said earlier, which is maybe not the best business plan, but make some darn good bourbon. Well, Dan Garrison, when he started all this, he basically went and found out everything accountants did to screw up bourbon, and he did his dead-level best to reverse all that. See, this is why— the whiskey's so good. Now, I mean, what it really what is, is the price point on that bottle there? What's that What's that going to go for, Genera? Uh, typically, you'll find this in some of your larger liquor stores at around $80 yeah. a bottle. Right. I have yeah. seen it um, as low as $70 a bottle, and I've seen it as high as, say, 85 But it's that kind of quality. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't well feel... Well worth it. I don't feel when I'm drinking this, like, that's certainly worth... It, it is definitely worth every penny of that. This is outstanding. Well, thank mm. you. We worked hard at it. Uh, or... It, t- it took a long time to come up with that uh, particular mash bill, which, by the way, all of our mash bills on all of our bourbons are always 74% corn, 15% wheat, and 11% barley. The corn comes from the Panhandle of Texas out of Dallam County, and the wheat typically comes from our ranch. We're having problems on the ranch over there where we're having to terrace the fields, mm. uh, which is an expensive and long process. So right now we're making bourbon for the first time with wheat that did not actually come from, uh, from our ranch. But, but it's but still you're, Texas. you're still sourcing oh, it close. Oh, it's yeah, yeah. coming from Dallam County as well. Right, right. Now, the barley does have to come from typically the Pacific Northwest as far over as Montana, sometimes even Canada. You can grow barley in the south, but it's never going to have the correct enzymes for making any kind of distilled spirit. Mm-hmm. So. so as much as is possible to get 
a quality product in Texas. Yes. You source it from uh, from Texas. Oh, yeah. That was the whole thing. Mr. Lee's vision for bourbon, which is what our vision for bourbon is now, that bourbon would come to become to America what scotch is to Scotland. Right. With different regions different of the country regions, making a different. completely different product yeah. based on local ingredients. And I've got to tell you, I really think that's beginning to happen. I mean, I think you're seeing it, you're tasting it, and the market... The buyers are beginning to understand it, and yeah, I think that's is, a huge. This thing. is much more sweet corn forward than malt forward that you get in a lot of right. uh, whiskeys, and it makes a very interesting. Like the first sip of this is so different from what you expect. A lot of times, that's yeah, it does have a bit of a sweetness in the <clears throat> middle that you can attribute to being that corn sweetness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really does. And that's white corn too. They used to send us yellow corn and that's what we were making it with for the longest time. Then one time they sent us white corn by accident and they said, "Well, it's too expensive to send back, so you know, do with it what you will." Mash it up. So we tried it and liked it a lot better. It, it performed better with the yeast and uh we decided to stick with Happy that. Happy accidents. That's yeah. that's pretty nice. Love when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> uh I I'm going to just speak to this with the cigar for a moment because uh, this is pairing beautifully uh, with the Alec Bradley. Um, what is it? Nice and rare. I, I had it a moment. Fine and rare. Fine Thank and you. rare. Fine and rare. With the Alec Bradley, fine and rare. It's in fact bringing out some flavors in the cigar. I was not noticing before. There's a bit of of minerality actually to the cigar that I'm getting now, uh, and it's very pleasant. It's not a you know it's not a negative thing, uh, but a, a bit of just like. I don't know. It's like like if you were drinking a really fine mineral water, like one right, one that right. just tasted really really good. I'm getting a little bit of those notes kind of in the center. Well, I think of what's that's coming out that's of one of the most present flavors in this, and I enjoy that so much. Uh, it works with this cigar pretty well. It's actually uh, the whiskey has kind of buried the coffee flavors, but brings out a lot of the more woody kind of flavors to it, <laughs> which is interesting. Mm-hmm. So. This one's working well too. I'm getting a lot of the same flavors out of this. I'm getting a little butterscotch, mm-hmm. walnut, and that's typically what I'll get out of that 2018 as well. Now I don't, I don't know how this is going to go because this is going to be a bit, uh, a bit of a changeup. <laughs> but we're going to try this uh, daytime IPA from Lagunitas, and we're going to see how this works. Um, uh, first uh, of all, all by itself, and secondly, note, a note on pairing whiskeys and beers. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see how this works, but generally speaking, uh, a more high rye whiskey goes great with an IPA. With an IPA, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let so. you hold that for a moment while I grab the cups, and maybe you can tell us about what it says on the can there for the Lagunitas Daytime. It says, the beer in your hands has achieved what we hope for ourselves to be made new again. There's freedom in uh, burning down the house of expectations, and it uh, confers an undeniable lightness uh, to being, we didn't invent these truths; they invented us. Oh, very nice. Well, Lagunitas, four percent ABV, ninety-six calories, ninety-six calories. So let's let's go back to the Bud Light ingredient label for just a moment. <laughs> oh. oh, I was waiting for the open. There you go. Um, the Bud Light ingredient label clearly states, because you can see it in the commercial, that the bottle of Bud Light is 110 calories. So, with that in mind, what we're about to sample here is actually, if if that's really the reason that Bud Lights go in this direction, because they want to point out that they're, you know, a lot less calories than craft beer, we're going to see... Thank you, I, I should have just brought a Bud Light so we could no. taste them side by... No! <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, so we could taste them side by side, but 
I, I remember Bud Light well enough uh, from you know from my college days. Uh, uh, so it would be interesting to see how this compares because I got to figure. Well, well, I can it, tell you already on the notes. A, it's this is a have direct. This is then a direct competitor to that whole ad campaign at that point. So you know what this? I can already tell you this reminds me of like a Founders All Day IPA, which I want to say that Founders is about 114, 120 calories somewhere in that range. Um, this reminds me of that. It's very kind of like sweet, easy drinking, but does have flavor. Not See, a lot of bitterness, by the way. I like this because it's an IPA without a ton of bitterness. It yeah. is a little lighter on flavor in general, but it's not without flavor. This right. is definitely drinkable. I'd be and quite happy. And at 96 calories. Boy, you talk about a perfect beer and for here's the thing. summertime. A six-pack mm-hmm. of that, I'm going to guess around here, costs about $10. Nine-something, right? Well, yeah. And then sitting next to a six-pack of Bud Light, which is probably 6 to $7, right. maybe, I would grab this anytime. What you're this getting is, for those extra couple of bucks? All the no difference in oral. All the difference in oral. No comparison. And yeah. let's be clear, fewer calories. Fewer. That's, not not just even the same. Less. And to me, this should this beer right here should completely run Bud Light's ad campaign completely off the rails all by itself. All by itself. I hate to say this. This this uh K Hanasota. Mm-hmm. Is running like I kind of expect the K Hanasotas to run. It just went out on me. Oh, uh, see, that's not good. And it's a little ragged on it. it the flavor is good. I'm yeah. just having some issues with the uh, burn. And that's the f- always been our issue with uh, with the Gurkhas and the other K Hanasotas. Um, I will say, and I'm a little bit surprised by this. This actually pairs up quite nicely with this uh, with this bourbon as well. Uh, sometimes I worry about that with IPAs. I can well imagine both yeah. with both with cigars mm-hmm. and. With with whiskey that they aren't necessarily, uh, although you mentioned correctly, Ian, that a, a very rye forward uh, bourbon will often uh, yes. work well with an IPA. But uh, if it's not, sometimes that bitterness can really kind of almost mess up your appreciation. It does. Of the, it does of not the notes on the whiskey. It does but. not interfere the cigar at all. Mm. It's uh, it's actually quite good. And this right here, I, I can I can promise you this. If I see this. In the summertime, this is going to be probably oh, it's a, going to go-to. Be a go-to. Yeah, an absolute yeah. go-to in the I'm summer. I'm typically not a big fan of IPAs because of the bitterness, but this is a very drinkable beer. Right, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because the bitterness is, is is like it's got enough bitter to give it a crispness to the flavor, and mm-hmm. the finish is really nice. But it's not a lingering finish. There's there's very little aftertaste on this. Yeah. Um, I'd I'd be interested to try this without the cigar flavor in my mouth too to uh to see how much aftertaste is is left. In Agreed. There. Uh, the other thing is it is it goes down really well cold, so mm-hmm. it would make it a great beer for summer when you're looking for so refreshment too. and you've got these on ice in the cooler mm-hmm. and you're uh, and you're ready to ready to roll for the uh, you know for the inner tube slopes or whatever mm-hmm. you call those. <laughs> what do you call the inner the river? Just I guess. yeah, just tubing on a river. Yeah, tubing on the river. Tubing so. on the river. I see some old uh, high school friends of mine are watching. All right, let's uh, do a shout out there and then we'll take a quick break. We'll be back with the next segment. Uh, in the next segment, you had already started to talk to us about. Uh, about the the uh, bourbon in the middle. What are we going to be tasting in segment in the next segment? It's our double oaked Balmeray, and I'll go through that again if you don't mind. Okay, yeah, mm. we'll do that. Uh, we'll also be tasting another IPA. See, you came on the show, and we have two IPAs, <laughs> but uh, but this one should be very very different and very interesting. Dorchester Brewing Company brewed this for Fat Orange Cat, which is out of East Hampton, Connecticut, 
and it's their She's a Rainbow New England IPA. So I'm expecting this one to be very juicy, and uh, so we'll see how that works in conjunction with the other things that we're enjoying here. It's smoking and Toastin'. Our guest is Dayton Voss, the bourbon evangelist from Garrison Brothers, and uh, wow, so far, very impressive. Glad you like it. We'll be right back. Smoking and Toastin'. Cheers. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasted. It's show number 124. Ian, Mick, would you mind, like, I just wanted to show that to the camera. Uh, maybe you can walk up and uh, and show it. I'm and maybe while it'll you're fuzz. at it, maybe while you're at it, show this one too, because this will be our next beer. Uh, ordinarily, when we're in the studio, we have the beer cam, right. uh, so it'll show the beer and the bottles. Uh, and I don't know if that'll focus that close up or not, because uh, this is our uh, this is our road rig. There we go. I just want to show people what that looked like because we've said so much about it, they're going to want to look for that, and Lagunitas certainly is available in a lot of states in the U.S. Now, the next beer we try will be this for Fat Orange Cat. Yes, so uh, so we'll be getting to that. In the meantime, HR 293 is described as the Youth... I love this. The Youth Vaping Prevention Act of 2019. That's uh, House Bill uh, 293. Back up, back up. Yep. Say that one more time. The Youth Vaping, the Youth Vaping Prevention Act of 2019. I can see how that has everything to do with cigars. Mm-hmm. But here's but, the problem. <laughs> like that it affects every single tobacco product sold in America if it passes. For cigar smokers, the most notable change will be modifying the Jenkins Act, which is the main piece of law regarding the sale of cigarettes, and this modification would remove an exemption that allows for cigars and other tobacco products to be mailed to consumers. H.R. 293 would also ban the sale of e-cigarettes across state lines. Uh, This would mean an end to buying cigars online, through catalogs, or over the phone. They can't be sent to you through the mail. And, by the way, we're big proponents. Is is this going to stop... Junior high and high school age kids from skipping school and hanging out at cigars lounges. Yeah, or right, or because <laughs> that's what you notice. How many of them are here today at Casa de Monte Cristo? There was a whole. I think a bus just dropped some off outside the front, and they came in and and uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they all bought twenty two dollar God of Fire cigars yeah, and they're out puffing right. them in the uh, in the uh, parking lot. No, <clears throat> what's crazy about this is this is going to severely impact. Um, a lot of jobs and a lot of companies. If you look at a company like <coughs> JR Cigar, Cigars International, or uh, many of the other online guys, these guys get a huge percentage of their business from online sales. They're, they're really kind of like online uh, tobacconists who have some stores. Yeah. But even a store like Casa de Monte Cristo, they've got uh, the ability for you to buy their cigars online or over the phone and have you have them ship them to you so this affects all we're we're big proponents of the of the brick and mortar stores here although we understand it's fun to order cigars online too but what how is anyone being harmed if ian buys a box of cigars on the internet i i don't understand this because because that's how 
children get them? They buy expensive cigars online. I mean, exactly. I, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to. I'm trying to flesh this <laughs> yeah. out. Maybe, like, because <laughs> mm-hmm. a whole rash of twelve year olds buying of national security. I'm reading from an article on Half Wheel about this bill. Claims of national security and reducing youth smoking rates were hailed as the reasons. Well, thank God they're there to save us from ourselves, because otherwise it'd be just devastation out here. Yeah. Oh, right. I know. Because <laughs> did you know? Imagine if like I this could is amazing. Buy did you know that McDonald's tomorrow? coffee is hot? I yeah, just occurred it to says me it recently. On the side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's a good thing it says it because I never would have known. Never would have known. So from the ridiculous to the sublime, uh, let's talk a little more whiskey, shall we? Uh, all right, so we, uh, we have uh, Garrison Brothers in the house today. Uh, we have uh, Dayton Voss, who's the bourbon evangelist from Garrison Brothers Whiskey. In the last segment, we loved, and this was the Small Batch? Is small that Batch right? 2018. Yep. Small Batch 2018. By the way, just before we move on to the next one, how much difference would there be in the well, flavor? Was I supposed to wait? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know better. I know better. Uh, no, but I, I just wanted to say, how much difference is there in the taste well, uh, of 2018 versus a previous year? You're always going to know that it's Garrison Brothers, but just like any fine wine, there's going to be subtleties and nuances within that taste that will differentiate it a little bit. 16- and some years are going to be really outstanding uh, maybe even better than other years? Uh, well, everybody's got their favorites. Um, mm-hmm. Fall 2014 was one of my absolute favorites. Uh, 2016, I liked a whole lot until we came out with the 2018. We skipped 2017 because uh, we wanted to get our barrels older. Uh, really? And, Interesting. So, uh, 2017, I always tell people, is a whole lot like the 1983 Corvette. There ain't one. Uh, so, <laughs> but, but we wanted to get these barrels up to where the youngest ones. So Because, you know, if you're... If you have a bourbon that is less than four years old, you have to put the age statement on the bottle, and the age statement must reflect the youngest barrel that went in that bottle. Right, right. Uh, so uh, we, we decided we want to get them all up to at least four years. going to save us a lot of headaches on labeling, things like that. That's such a tough thing for a, a, a distillery to do is to project how much of this are we going to sell, how much right. do we need to put aside for, for you know your different – year aging and those mm-hmm. kind of things that's got to be because you're always four years you always have to be four years ahead of the actual curve which is one of the reasons why people thought dan garrison was crazy for trying to get it because back when we started when he started making bourbon way back when in 2006 is when we got legal uh people were still drinking marshmallow flavored vodka that, right, and so right. and so to predict well we didn't there was no way to predict the, the whiskey craze that has happened since then right we just happened to get really really lucky but you also have to see way down the road which growing up with dan garrison is something i never thought he was capable of but <laughs> I, well, I'm, I'm wrong so. he wasn't looking further ahead than hold my beer what one of the i would have to think one of the toughest things uh, about distilling a really great product, having the kind of quality control that you got to do to get it, is being able to meet the demand. If you're if yep. you're if your brand gets hot, now right. if your brand doesn't get hot, I understand you probably can forecast a little better. But you wind up getting a really good review someplace influential. Oh, yeah. People start trying it and sharing it with their friends. All of a sudden, you've got a demand that's exceeding what you have produced four years ago right. that is currently of age. I mean, how is that? How do you even wrap your head around that? Well, fortunately for us, um, 
we weren't selling all that well until here recently. And I say fortunately because now we're sitting on probably 14,000 barrels of bourbon. Um, and, and we have just, last year we re, uh, we doubled the year before's production. And this year we are doubling last year's production. Uh, we ran, started running 24 hours and we bought the second largest uh, pot still in America, which was just installed over there. Wow. Uh, it's Fantastic. a 2,000-gallon two, uh, pot still. Pot column still. You guys so, do uh, uh, tours at the distillery we as well. Yes, I would invite anybody yeah, to come gonna, out there. We're going to have it's to a do lot that. of fun. Yes, we are definitely going to have to do that. So I want to come back to uh, some questions about that. But tell us a little bit about this second bourbon. This second bourbon uh, is our latest uh, release that we are going to be continuously doing from now on. It's called Balmeray, named after the springs out in West Texas. Uh, it was a place that was near and dear to Dan Garrison. He used to take his family out there to go swimming every year. And they fell into disrepair, so we wanted to see how we could help them. So we kept, created this bourbon. Donis Todd, our master distiller, he uh, had this vision in his head. Everybody was worried about it except Donis. Uh, he knew it was going to come out right. We were thinking it was going to be like a Pappy 23 where it you know, kind of tastes like you're gnawing on an oak stick, but that's not the way it came out. <laughs> he uh, aged this for two years in brand-new American oak barrels, then married the barrels together and let them play for about six months. And then we re-aged it for another two years in brand new American oak barrels from a different cooperage with a different char and a different toast. The first tasting notes on this are bourbon candy. Um, it is 115 mm-hmm. it, proof, so I will caution you, but when you taste it... It's big. Like It, it, is, yes, it is such a big, warm, round flavor. It has a lot of the characteristics of the first one with just mm-hmm. more of everything. Uh, to date, it is my favorite thing that we've ever put out. Um, I probably shouldn't say that because the Cowboys sitting on the same table, but this is my favorite. <laughs> I think this is the the best of, in terms well, everybody's of everybody's palate's a little different mm-hmm. too. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. The drinkability on this one is unbelievable. It's uh, something you're going to want to. I can't believe it. That proof, how little heat, how little, little um, anything like that is in there it's, it's all flavor and there's almost no the heat doesn't even really come back it's just what is the proof on this again this is 115 yeah wow. it's big okay. it's big yeah. it's but here again we're taking out all those higher alcohols so the sting is really left out of that uh it, it it's supposed to warm you on your chest and not in yeah your, so mm-hmm. if you're uh and this just rolls across the tongue goes great with the cigar yeah it really does and in correct me if i'm wrong but this this sort of proof, this sort of flavor is kind of a sweet spot for you? Uh, yeah, this I love the round, full flavors like this with, with little heat. Um, uh, one of my other favorites, uh, one of my other new favorites recently is the... Um, uh, uh, um, ooh, we just had him on the show, I'm blanking. The, uh, uh, you're talking about uh, Whitmire's? Whitmire's, yes. Yeah. yes I was thinking Justin, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, Whitmire's, and they have, uh, like... This and that have some similarities in how big and round they are. The flavors are completely different profiles. I love the mineral freshness of this. Like like we talked earlier, that, that fresh mineral water thing. Um, and it has that is completely the same as the first one we tried. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the malt is a little more forward on this. The corn sweetness is still there. Um, but you're getting a little more of that oak dryness on the finish. It's really, really It's a little more powerful. I mean, it's more powerful because of the higher proof. Yes. And so it, it packs a little more punch both on the tongue mm-hmm. and uh, in, in the uh, but retro hill. much like Long Island Ice Tea, it's a little <laughs> scary how easy it is to drink. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No, you're absolutely right. <laughs> you know what I really love, Dayton, about this, and, and don't get me wrong, 
we love when people come on the show and mm-hmm. bring us rare and interesting things. Our buddy Chris Hart is so great at this. You know, every mm-hmm. time he comes on the show, he always brings something from his collection. I would go, "This is amazing. Where can I get it?" And he's like, "Oh, you, you can't. can't." All three of the bottles we're sampling here today are available in stores. Now, is that correct? They are. Um, the Balmeray is in a 375 this year only. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year we're going a smaller to, bottle. Yeah, we're going to release it in May in a 750, mm-hmm. um, and it'll be always available in a 750. I don't know if we're going to have it available again in 375, but now the Cowboy on the other end may be the most rare. We put it out every September. It's a highly sought after bottle of bourbon, not just in Texas, but all over the country. And it will run out. And we, we can't do much about that. But you're but going to be putting it out, uh, we put it or out at least the current year's we put iteration it out of every it. Every September now. In September. Okay. We want it out in time good. for the holidays. All right. Yeah. That's good. I'm glad so. you're on the show because that means I can call you and be like, hey, <laughs> you wouldn't happen to have an extra we, bottle of that kicking We've got around. his phone number on the card right here. Yeah. <laughs> we, we can at least figure out where to go. You know? That's a good thing. All right, Ian has popped the top on the Fat Orange Cat. Now, let me tell you a little bit about this beer, at least what I know about it. First of all, it is a, uh, it is a specialty beer. It's a seasonal. Uh, and, uh, or by seasonal, I mean it's, a, it's a, a short production, so it's only available for a while. Dorchester Brewing Company brewed this apparently for Fat Orange Cat. It's not so much a collaboration as they did it and then released it through... Fat Orange Cat, which is a brewery out of East Hampton, Connecticut. It's called She's a Rainbow. It's a New England IPA. It is uh, juicy, and you can tell already when you look at this. I mean, this is this is hazy, and you got almost it. It almost smells like orange it's, juice. It smells like a, a basket of fruit. Yeah, it really does. And hops. Almost smells like yeah, like. <laughs> Exactly, like you, like you took a, a a hops and put it in your glass and then poured orange juice over it. It's almost, yeah, it's almost nice. what it smells like, uh, but it's uh, it's got a really interesting aroma, and I will tell you, it's, yeah, this this smells fantastic and wow, I love the viscosity of it. It's a little thicker overall. It is thicker, yes. So you expect a bigger mouth feel to it. Wow, it's another IPA without too much bitterness. It's well, that's really- you know the best of the New England IPAs. Mm-hmm. The citrus in them really mm-hmm. kind of works against the bitterness and keeps it from becoming something that lingers too much uh, on on the palate. You're right. There's not a this lot of bitterness. This is already, I can tell, not going to interfere with the cigar. This has a little orange sweetness at the very beginning of the uh, at the very beginning of the palate, and then explodes in the middle. Really like, does. You huge, get that big citrus, just fruity. almost like you like had if you have a chunk of an it's, orange or a tangerine it's and you leaving bit my it, mouth you know? watering like yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's pretty crazy wow it really is well now i'm going to see how how we do if you wanted to sit and have some of this and some of this because uh, i don't know the citrus might not work i'm a little yeah i'm a little scared of that actually because sometimes the bourbon and, the, and a big citrusy are kind of strange together well i will tell you it does change this the first thing i noticed is that I don't get the heat on my tongue the same way mm-hmm. after I had uh, a bit of the IPA. But I still get the sort of oak and mapley uh, flavors coming through. It brings out, actually, it brings out a lot of that oak, big mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. A little astringency to it that's uh, really nice, lends a nice dryness to the finish. I had a friend of mine it's the other day that was asking me, how do you go about learning to pair cigars and different spirits. And I said, 
Listen carefully because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay some wisdom on you. Smoke a cigar and drink something. Yes. <laughs> and if you really like it together, write it down so you yeah. remember it. And then next time you smoke a cigar, try a different cigar and maybe a different spirit and see how it works. And you'll be, it does not take long before you can begin to try. But see, this was just absolute, like, I had no idea. I had, but I actually kind of like these. That together. would have never occurred to and me. And both it, of them are working great with the cigar. Well, work. you know, one of my methods that we, we even had an event called the Whiskey Sniff, which is something I always do where I start a cigar and then I go pop the tops on my whiskey and smell them. You know, once you get that cigar in your palate, pop the tops on your whiskey and smell them, your nose is going to lead you in the right place. 99% of the time. It's it's pretty amazing how simple and how well that works. I think you've started a national craze. <laughs> I really do. And, you know, we did our event, the Whiskey Sniff, and we, uh, by the way, want to make sure you guys are at the Whiskey Sniff this year because this is going to be uh, the second oh, year. It'll be even bigger, and we're going to just be, like, uh, really, really excited to be Letting people uh, sample some of you guys' stuff, so we got to work on that and make sure we make sure we get that done. Um, I'm I'm psyched um, because, as you mentioned about the cowboy, yes, this there's there's a little bit of of rarity to this in that when it comes out, it it it's only so many bottles and right. then, and then it's gone. Um, what was it though that I w- I wanted to ask you before we go to the cowboy, which we'll do in the next segment? Sure. What was it? You mentioned how, you know, one of the things that's working for you guys is that you have stock because mm-hmm. you weren't selling like crazy. Right. Then all of a sudden the brand really picked up, it ignited. What happened? What was the what was the factor that was it just the planets aligning or was there a thing or was there a, a number of things that all happened at the same time? Well, we win a lot of awards, but most of those awards, uh those like the San Francisco and all that stuff, they Right. Basically, they'll enter two whiskeys or three whiskeys into a category, and if you don't hit gold or silver in that, you probably ought to find something else to do. Oh, you see, but, that's so interesting because but, I think most people probably don't know but, that. But the big thing that happened to us was Jim Murray, that writes the Whiskey Bible, right. gave us Micro Distillery of the Year a couple times on the Cowboy, and then Micro Distillery of the Year went to Balmeray this year. And uh, people just read so much about us that because we're – he used to carry around a 23-year-old bottle of Pappy when he talked about aging bourbon. Now he carries a four-year-old bottle of cowboy bourbon. Wow, so nice. It, because Very impressive. Because we're, we're rewriting the rules on all that. And it's not just us. It's the state of Texas is rewriting the rules on that mm-hmm. because of the heat. Because, and, of the way that, yeah, right. because of the way that the whole aging process mm-hmm. uh, works and all of that. It, it, the, uh, and I just read something the other day about heat doesn't have anything to do with it. I beg to differ. It takes a... Kentucky bourbon, every bit of eight to twelve years to get as dark as our twenty eighteen. Well, and you and mentioned the, that that's you talked about this in the earlier mm, segment about how the heat during the day mm, and then it cools off at night, and mm, that that your oak barrels are working extra hard. Oh yeah, with the whiskey basically going in right, and right. then coming out when it cools off. And we found out about that the hard way when we were trying to figure out what we wanted to make. We took like fifty different mash bills and put them in fifty different Kentucky bourbon barrels and stuck them in a barn. And the guys from Maker Mark, Maker's Mark said, do not even look at that for six months. So we stood outside the barn for about six months and uh, <laughs> uh, opened the door and didn't have a drop of whiskey. Not one. Wow. Uh, it's because those Kentucky bourbon barrels could not stand, take 
the heat, and they expanded and contracted it so much that they relaxed and dropped everything right out the bottom. So how, oh, does, wow. so how does this differ from, let, let's think Scotland for a second, mm-hmm. and Scotch whiskey, and of course they love to age their mm-hmm. Scotch in American oak bourbon. American Preferably oak. bourbon, right. yeah. Right. But, but how does the... They're not. They don't have anything close to that kind of temperature. Oh variance. no, and that's so, why the, those a lot of that scotch is twelve to twenty something years that's old. That's why you take yeah, that long it, to it, age it, it yeah. to pull those flavors out because it does take that long. Exactly. in those temperatures. It's interesting because you think of Scotland as being the optimum conditions right. for making whiskey because that's always been the sort of holy grail, if you mm. will. But American bourbons, and in particular Texas, uh, are beginning to. Show what can well, be done in a lot. There's a time. whole, there's a whole uh, um, uh, uh, movement going. How can we make this? How can we get our product out a little sooner and still have the same amount of flavor? You guys seem to have, you know, like the 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 thumb on that one. Yeah, because like Jefferson's does their oceans where they mm-hmm. put it on a boat and let it roll around the ocean for a while. Right. We've heard which about is that, agitating. Yeah. It's good yeah. whiskey. I've had it. Um, but there's a lot to be said about like you, you know your Texas environment. That's the, those barrels breathe. They they expand. Yes. They contract. They expand. They contract. And the and the liquid inside is doing the same thing. And so you're, you're picking up those flavors so fast. My question about Scotch is uh, what were they doing before? Because they keep, they made. Uh, Scotch whiskey hundreds of years before bourbon ever came into being, mm-hmm. and uh, so what were they doing? What were they using for barrels then? Right. And then, and how old was that stuff? Because it had to have been pretty doggone old. Too. Well, funny thing about Scotch is the whole aging in in American bourbon barrels mm-hmm. didn't come around. I think uh, somebody's going to correct me on this, but I think it was fifties or sixties was when it really became we're going to age it in an American oak. Uh, charred barrels, things like that. And maybe that they were using Jack Daniels barrels or something right. like that. Um, yeah. um, and I think Glenn Warrenji was one of the forefronts. Um, and again, I can be corrected on this. I don't know if I'm right, but I think they were on the forefront of let's, let's let our whiskey sit this long, but then we're going to take it and go into another barrel and give it a different finish. And that's where they came up with like La Santa and the, and the Quinta Rabanne and some of those other where they, they mm-hmm. used like either a sherry Mm-hmm. Or some other, you know, cast mm-hmm. to give it Bordeaux a different cast. Thing. Bordeaux. Yeah, right, right, right. Well, it's it, it is fascinating when you think about it because yeah, before there was such a thing as Kentucky bourbon or American uh, bourbon, they wouldn't have had those casks to age in. It, it, no. it would have to have taken longer. It would have. You would think it would take quite a while to get those kind of flavors out of Scotch. A lot of people don't know this, and most Scotch makers don't do this, but they are allowed to add to. Uh, colorings and things like that now right. most of them do not do that because if their drinkers found out that and they were spending a hundred dollars on a bottle of scotch they're not going to be drinking that it's scotch it's anymore right sure, right sure. Uh, bourbon is one of the things i love about it is it's the genuine spirit you cannot add a single thing to it and still call it bourbon right but jack daniels george nickel they make perfectly good bourbon and then they pour it through maple charcoal and it becomes tennessee whiskey that is the right. lincoln county right. process exactly you so can't it, call it bourbon you anymore. can't call it bourbon mm-hmm. anymore so once something's been added to it so basically your master distiller has to be a genius and ours is uh donis todd's been doing this since he was like 12 years old um and he's he does this out of grain water and barrel and that's it wow. that, that's what how that's made that's the only thing he has to work with. If you think about it. Does, does it need an ingredient label? <laughs> I think it does. <laughs> you guys should consider. Maybe on the box, instead of, you know, uh, instead of having a, uh, 
a case with just the bottles in it. Maybe you can put it on on that on there that box go. when it goes to the store. <laughs> Trust yeah. me. Yeah. Every case that goes out, it, it has a, a pamphlet in there all about Garrison Brothers. Yeah. And we, I, I know, in there numerous times, it probably says corn, wheat, and barley. Uh, well, so yeah, it's yeah, that's that's important. It's a pretty simple list of ingredients for an amazing product, isn't it? It really is. It really is. And it, and to think, and of course, this this is going to be the lesson for the people, for the young guys. Like me when I was a kid, when I was in school and I was sitting there in math class and I was saying, what will I need this for in my life? What will I, how will I ever use this? Well, guess what? If you want to become a master distiller, you're going to need to know a little bit you're of that You're going to need that. Yeah, you're going to need that. If they had told me that back then, I would have paid a hell of a lot more attention in math class. Right. You know? But... Uh, I digress, as I often do. Uh, let's take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk cowboy and try some of this. And uh, I just wanted to mention. Was I supposed to wait? Oh, you went to the cowboy already. <laughs> okay. I'm having impatience issues. <laughs> I will be trying the cowboy in the next segment. And uh, I also wanted to mention, and I'll get more into this in the next segment, but uh, this cigar is blossoming on me in the most wonderful way as I'm entering maybe the second third of this. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, it's the Garrison Brothers. We'll be right back at Smoking and Toasted. Thank you for listening. And welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting, and it's show number 124. We are brought to you by our friends and and fellow uh, spirit lovers at B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. Big shout out to Jeremiah. Dude, we are overdue to drink and smoke. Let's do it soon. Uh, we need We need to do that. Uh, so Ian ran to get another cigar, and then I think maybe he's running to, to, to cut it right now. So uh, he'll be back. So I think the judgment we're going to pass on the first cigar you had is not so much. Yeah, um, the, the flavor was fine. As a matter of fact, I relit it twice, which uh, I don't like to have to do, especially when I'm tending my cigar pretty often. The flavor was fine. The cigar was a little problematic. I couldn't get the label off. Then it cracked the... the then it cracked the uh, uh, wrapper a little bit on it, and then it went out twice on me. So that one's a little tough. Yeah. That's, well, that's and unfortunately, in the Gurkha line, that's that's been a, you know it's a large been problematic problem. for them. Yeah, 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 it really has. I really think they're making improvements on it. I know they've changed some of their personnel, and they're doing some things to. They're they're aware of the problem, and they're working on trying to get it. That said, there's got to be a lot of cigars out there that maybe are, you know, still from those batches. So. It may take some time. Well, I used to, um, I was a big fan of uh, of uh, Gurkha, especially early on uh, smoking cigars, and their their Beast and their Beauty line were yes, love those. fantastic, love those. Um, Except then, for the last ones I've had, which cracked and fell apart on me before I could smoke. Right, and that's so that's become the issue. It's not a flavor thing. Their their blends are really nice. It's just the construction issues. I want to talk a little bit about because this is a, a fairly expensive cigar I'm smoking. Uh, maybe a little bit out of my normal price range, but I thought, hey, you know what? We're here. Uh, and by the way, in fairness, I offered it to everybody, and uh, you guys <laughs> took other cigars. So I was like, okay, I'll take the Alec Bradley. Uh, but this Alec Bradley, fine and rare. This is a wonderful cigar. This is 
as good a cigar as I've smoked in a while. It's um, it's just pairing beautifully with everything we've had so far <laughs> here. And sometimes, as you know, Ian, a, a particular cigar will pair really well with one thing, not so well with another. Not, yeah. Uh, and so it really just depends. Uh, often it depends more on the spirit of beer than, than the cigar itself. But in this case, I've had great luck with everything. And I mentioned this in the last segment, but it has essentially blossomed as I've gone. The other thing is that generally when we're doing the show, I wind up having to relight even maybe a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I've not done this so far. Now, I am noticing on the back of it here, I've got a little bit of a slow burn there, which I'd, I'm not going to blame on the, the cigar. It's because I'm not puffing on it steadily enough. But uh, if I can't correct that just by puffing, I might have to do my first little touch-up. But still, to have not had to do one yet, and we're in segment four on the show, that's remarkable. That's pretty awesome. I asked for a recommendation when I went up there, and this is what he led me to. It's the four square. Um, I said, he goes, well, what did you have before? And I said, well, I wasn't really impressed with it, but I I like medium to full. And I said, give me something that's a chocolate bomb. And right off the bat, that's exactly where he went. Yes, this is this is a chocolate bomb right here. And the initial light, which on some cigars can be kind of harsh, this is a super mild initial light with, with all the sweetness flavors coming through immediately. Hmm. Very interesting. I, I suspect that this is going to go really well with the whiskey. Now, uh, tell me, Dayton, how, how your cigar is coming along. Yours was, uh, tell us what it is again. Uh, this is a Drew Estates uh, La Grand Fabrique. Okay. And I'm I'm liking it. It's uh, I have had to relight a couple times, but I'm not paying as much attention to mine as you guys are. Um, <laughs> but I'm enjoying the flavor of it. Very well, good. another thing on the on the uh, Hanasota one that I had a minute ago is the, there was no relight penalty <laughs> either mm-hmm. time, so that's a good thing. Mm, that is good, you know. especially when you've got a relight for yeah. whatever reason. So I typically smoke Olivas, and I really like this a lot. Mm. I'm a big Siri G fan. Oh, the Siri so, G is mm. such a wonderful cigar. Absolutely. And the Melania? Oh, my God. Well, yeah, absolutely. I, I started smoking cigars probably 10 years ago, and the last thing I needed was another habit. I needed that like I needed another wife. And um, <laughs> so I wanted to find an affordable cigar, and it was something I could smoke two or three of them every it's, week and not break me. So. It's amazing how good those are at the mm-hmm. price point that uh, they uh, sell at. And it's I will tell you this. Mm-hmm. It is easier to find an affordable cigar than an affordable wife. <laughs> I just you know, I mean, uh, that's, I'm just telling you that's. I speak from experience. I'm doing fine these days, but boy, <clears throat> you're listening to smoking and toasting. Uh, it's uh, show number 124. We're pairing cigars and uh, Garrison Brothers bourbon, and we've had two that have both been just outstanding. I mean, really, like they're both on my must buy list. Now. Thank you. So Thank that's you. that's a big big deal uh, for me. Uh, but we haven't done the cowboy yet. <clears throat> Well, I have. You, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, got, prior, I got a little impatient. Prior to your impatient tasting on the show today, had you had you had the cowboy before? No, I actually never have. Okay. Uh, this is uh, this is even bigger in the flavor profile than either of the other ones we've uh, tried. So you actually lined these up and said try them left to right because yes. you you have you have experience with it, uh, and that's definitely the way to do it. This is this is huge, and I can see why this is. Very much sought after when it does come out. Um, it, this has more burn than the other ones had. Yeah. Um, not in a bad way. It has a little more heat is, a, is probably the term I should use. Um, but in a very pleasant kind of way. This warms you up starting from the back of the palate and then right down into the chest. Instead of just at the te- chest or just at the back of the palate like with the previous ones. So well, tell us about the Cowboy. 
The Cowboy is our barrel-proof bourbon. Uh, we put it out every September. It used to be every other year, but the demand for it was such that uh, the hate mail was just too much to. to <laughs> so, we, so we started uh, putting it out every you year. You guys need to make more whiskey. Let me, just, hate let me just point something out. If you're getting hate mail because you aren't <laughs> releasing a whiskey enough, it was a you're good, doing something right. It was a good thing. <laughs> you're doing something right. But that, uh, like I said, we put it out every September. Uh, we want it out in time for the holidays. It's a very limited release. Uh, 2018, I believe, it was 3,600 bottles. Um, it is an award winner for the most part all the time. Uh, but it, uh, we, we do a very, very limited release. This year, it came out at 130.7 proof. So it is a high it's proof bourbon. huge, yeah. We've had it as high as 138. Uh, I think last 2017 was 137. Uh, this is a little bit lower than typically it is, but it is what it is. When it comes out, we don't add a thing to it. Right. Um, so it, I love that. It, that's See, one of the wonderful things about it. it so it did come out at 130, but it, to me, it's the, probably the smoothest, uh, not just bourbon, but any distilled spirit that you're going to put down at that kind of proof. Uh, it's the smoothest I've ever what had. What does a bottle of this uh, run if you uh, if you happen to be lucky enough to find one? Uh, I've seen the price range all over the place, uh, but it's typically from one seventy nine. I've seen as high as two forty nine. Uh, if you end up uh, not getting your bottle and start looking at for it on the secondary market, it gets pretty. pretty you don't want to mortgage the house. Well, here's what here's what I'm going to say to you about it. What you say? Could go as you've seen it go as high as two seventy nine, two forty nine, or two forty nine, and as low as one seventy nine, one seventy nine. So one seventy nine or two forty nine. I'm going to tell you that this easily rivals the whistle pig boss hog that I got from Dave Pickrell before he passed away. Was the small was the little bottle, and that one at full retail in a seven hundred and fifty milliliter is about a five hundred dollar bottle. This Mm. is in that. This is right in that territory. That it right? really is. It's that good. I mean, yeah, it, this it's... Is, this is saying. If you're going to buy one special bottle, you can't go wrong with this. Well, you really uh, can't. This year, we had 600 bottles that we released at the distillery itself, and uh, we were not going to let anybody in until 1130. Well, at about 630, they started lining up on the road out there to get into the <laughs> distillery, and the sheriff, the deputy, came by, and he said, y'all better open them gates. So we opened the gates and, and had them run through our big circular driveway, and then the, we ran them back through when it came, came time. We were done with 600 bottles by 2 o'clock that afternoon. Holy um, It was a, a huge response. A guy even flew a helicopter in there, did not tell us a thing, and starts- And just landed. He just landed. <laughs> goes and buys us two bottles, because that's all we can sell you because of Texas law. And uh, then he goes, hey, anybody want to go for a ride? So for the next- <laughs> Starts taking people for rides. The, the, Outstanding. The, the distillery is a pretty magical- place i would encourage everybody to come see it but uh weird things like that happen on now, a regular basis we're at uh where in relationship to san antonio are you located we are our north of san antonio an hour north, or okay. our west of austin nice basically we're between johnson city and fredericksburg okay high texas a thriving metropolis of 105 people and about 12 of them work at a distillery so. <laughs> i'm gonna tell you something that's a large the, percentage of the, the town at that point the texas hill country area though oh yeah is becoming beautiful. a mecca not only is it beautiful, beautiful. But it's becoming a mecca for distilled oh, yeah. spirits and craft beer. Craft There's beer, distilled a lot of great stuff going on up there. The wineries, um, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. The I think wineries we, have been popping up like crazy. Yeah, you know, the distilleries are what's taken off right now. The wineries, I guess we've got like thirty in our immediate vicinity, but we've got uh, all kinds of distilleries out there. And if I started naming them, I'd leave somebody out. And I'd right, get, right, right, I understand. So, so tell me what's involved because uh, you were talking about this in between the segments with 
some of the gentlemen here who were trying things. What's involved in the distillery tour? What happens if we uh, if we come and do the tour? Well, first you're going to be greeted by everybody. Uh, roll out the red carpet for whoever shows up, and then we're going to load you onto what we call our hayless hayride. It is a <laughs> um, it's a big wagon that we pull behind a jeep, and people all get in there, um, and then we bring them up the hill to the distillery. We start you off. In front of the fermentation room, we, we take you every every stage. So the first thing we're going to do is walk around back and have a little, we'll give you a little safety brief first. Then we're going to have you walk around back of the fermentation room where the silos are with all the grain. And we're going to tell you all about the grain, what, what makes bourbon bourbon and differentiates it from whiskey. And then we're going to take you into our cook, our kitchen basically is where we cook the mash. And one of the mash cooks is going to guide you through all that. We've got a bunch of them out there. Um, there's one called Sam Overa, uh, and she's really mean. So if you ever run into her, be careful. Um, they're going to tell you all about the cooking process. Then we're going to walk you into our firm. And at the end of that, you're going to taste our mash, which is the, basically the cooked product before right. any yeast is added to it or anything like that. How, so it, how interesting is that? That's like so informative too. Oh yeah. It's a very, people tell us after, you know, nothing against the bourbon trail or anything like that, but they always tell us that it was the most informative tour they've ever been on but then we're going to walk you into the fermentation room where you're going to get to actually taste the distiller's beer as it's fermented um and you, you'll see what where it's live and where it's pretty much ready to go over mm-hmm. to the to the distillery then you're going to go into the distillery room and you're going to go upstairs and some one of our distillers is going to tell you all about the process in there and at the end of that part you get to taste our white dog and then you go into it's, our this is basically like your moonshine, uh, right? It, 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 right? That's it, before it goes it, into before the barrels. Before it goes through any of the process. Right. And right. what did you call it again? We call it white dog. Okay. Um, Love it. And it's not necessarily our term. It's just what we what it's been called for forever. But it's the right. bourbon before it goes into the barrel. Right. Um, it is about 137 proof, or usually. And it's not for the faint of heart. It is not your grandma's Chardonnay. Um <laughs> And then we're going to walk you next door to our bottling room. Um, an interesting thing about Garrison Brothers is it's all bottled by volunteers. Um, really? That's it's so interesting. a lot of fun. If you want to get in, you go to garrisonbros.com. You put your email address in there. And uh, we do it lottery style. We don't pick favorites or anything like that. But we'll bring you in for two days apiece. Um, we give you breakfast and lunch and a shot of courage every 30 minutes. And uh, you, <laughs> you stand at a, a big, long wooden table that a bunch of rednecks built full of crock pots full of wax and we you dip the bottles and we teach you to use very sophisticated tools like popsicle sticks and straight pens so there's no and uh basically when you leave you get a bottle of bourbon and some lifelong friends it's a it's a really good time like a blast it does it it? is it's always so much fun and uh whenever i leave there i'm always amazed at how drunk i'm not um and even with all the alcohol going on we just have a ball we turn up the music and uh have a good time. It's a lot of fun. It's it's amazing to me the um, the appetite for knowledge and information mm-hmm. that whiskey and uh, bourbon cigar consumers. You're seeing this at craft beer. It's one of the things that's so different, and it's not about putting the ingredients label on the box. It's about people wanting to know what the process is about, right. it is. and that's why this sounds so fascinating to me. Seeing it every step along the way, mm. being able to actually taste things as that's, they co- uh, you know, that's one of the coolest things you said. I uh, very amateur. I brew beer occasionally, mm-hmm. and you always taste it the wart before you right uh, before you put and pitch, pitch the yeast and mm-hmm. and then. You know, let it do its thing. It's it's interesting to taste it that way because it's different. But you can kind of project where it's going oh, to, yeah. to a degree. Sidebar, by the way, 
The next time you do that, we have to taste it on the show. <laughs> I'll have to do that. Okay. Well, good. <laughs> anyway, um, after you're done, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, 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 no. When we're done in the bottling room, everybody get, does a shot of um, typically a single barrel that we have in there, and you have the opportunity to dip your own single barrel bottle then, and uh, and then buy that. But now that's been moved down to the gift shop, and then we'll take you over to our first barrel barn, which we affectionately call Uno. And we'll actually teach you how to become a bourbon snob in there. Show you show you how to drink bourbon, taste it without ever tasting it, and uh, then we show you how it's supposed to be drank. Uh, especially this works well with people that are not used to drinking bourbon, and they they remember that Jack Daniels moment in high school. And yes, sir. How do you taste it without tasting it? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> and this this holds sidebar. Tr- this holds true for any distilled spirit, and this basically is a trick that. Uh, that people that are judging contests do, they they cannot drink 150 whiskeys in a day. Oh, there's no way. Yeah. So yeah. so what they'll do is they'll the ones put, at the end will always be the best. <laughs> <laughs> what it was they, those last seven whiskeys that really did it to me. What they do is they twirl it around, and the, we, this is the Glencairn glass. It's the official whiskey drinking glass. Uh-huh. I'm sure you guys know that, but it's built this way so it's wide at the bottom, so you can twirl it, and the vapors are going to sneak up to the top. And what you want to do is put your nose in there, but breathe in through your mouth. Right. So you keep your mouth open. Yes. Exactly. And mm-hmm. you, that will tell you exactly what that's going to taste like without ever swallowing it. And it's, yeah. the, and but look, you're not breathing in through your nose. No, you breathe in through your mouth. Yeah. Now, most distilled spirits that have all the butanol, methanol, and propanol at 130 uh, proof is going to melt your eyeballs right out of your head like one of those zombies on TV. So <laughs> we don't. Uh, we, we recommend that you breathe in through your mouth and you get a great idea of what it tastes like. That's, that's pretty amazing. Actually. Then we teach the Kentucky Chew, and uh, you'd be amazed at the red wine drinkers and, and that are just are automatic converts right then at that point. Well, it's one thing I've noticed. I have a very good friend that's essentially a red wine drinker. Mm-hmm. She came to the whiskey sniff, tried a couple of different whiskeys, uh, landed on one that she loved, and she's a full-fledged convert. We had some people over to the house uh, recently when my friend Dave was here. Uh-huh. She was among them. And I was basically sitting there pouring her different bourbons, different whiskeys, saying, try this. Okay, now try this. If you like you, that, If you like this. that, try yeah. this. Right. And she was just having the time of her life, and now she is like a real full-fledged I don't want to say aficionado, but she's learned to right. love mm. certain things and taste certain things. And it was like, it was quick. She was not someone I would have guessed would ever become a bourbon drinker. And so well, it's, it's, it's really interesting to see that happen. You know, it's, it's interesting as, you know, we talk about all the flavors we pick up and stuff. And then, uh, like, one of the things you start learning is as you taste more and more, and experience is key. How do you get experience? Well, you try different things. And and you start picking up different flavors or like one of the things I always recommend is pick up something that you think you're going to like. Try it. Write down what you think is good out of it, mm-hmm. what you're tasting, you know, and then read a review or yeah. two and see if you're picking up those things while you're also trying and see how your your uh, uh, review compares to that. And you, well, you'll start learning to pick out many things. We talked about this last week because last week was the topic of the show was how to develop your palate for mm-hmm. cigars. And it's very similar in that way, in that you smoke some things and you just make some notes. Even if you're not, you know, we laugh all the time about these reviews where they say, you know, I'm picking up anise seeds that were, you know, uh, harvested from plants grown on the <laughs> north side of the slope in, uh, you know, whatever. Like, some of that <laughs> stuff is so ridiculous. But you can begin to tell, 
You know, I get a little bit of cedar there. There's some black pepper there. Some of the mm-hmm. flavors that, that are the easiest mm-hmm. to, to maybe learn. And it doesn't take long if you write those down and then you maybe experience them again in something right. different uh, to be able to learn a little bit about what you're tasting. And I think the same is true for spirits or for oh, yeah. bourbon. The, the, the thing that we always try to get to, especially you know people that are not used to drinking, is how to drink it. And that is to take that first tiny sip, put it in your mouth or in your tongue, and swish it around like hard candy mm-hmm. for a good five to six seconds. You guys are from radio. Five to six seconds is an eternity. Most people don't understand that, and they go one, two, three, four, five, boom. And yeah, the, that's, guess, that's not it. That you're, the burn is going to be in your throat, on your chest, and you're not going to want to taste bourbon anymore. But you want that burn on your tongue before you ever swallow it. And then the next sip is where you start to derive flavors yeah. that you had no idea were in a glass of bourbon. So. When you see the characters on television and in movies uh, yeah. taking that shot of whiskey and throwing it back, mm-hmm. that's either A, really cheap whiskey, or they're just trying <laughs> to get drunk, yeah. right? I mean, it's not the way to really enjoy things. You have to learn, and this is true with craft beer, it's true with cigars, it's why we enjoy these hobbies so much, is is the savoring is where the real pleasure comes from. Oh, yeah. You know, I, it, isn't, it isn't about getting blasted, it's about how much you're enjoying now, that. Now, we haven't, we haven't done this here today, we're trying all these neat. But don't ever be shy about opening it up with a couple drops of water as well, oh, just because right. you'll pull out even more flavors. Oh, yeah. You know, like all kinds of, you You probably have a way better description of me, but all kinds of other flavors start coming up to the front. Yeah, 2018, I'm not adverse to putting that on ice. does not bother me a bit. Uh, in fact, I like the big cube and pour that on there because it's going to melt slow. The Balmeray and the Cowboy, I'm kind of possessive of and if I, <laughs> you, like, you like that one I'm like, neat the well, way it is yeah if you're gonna mess with that like that you know and i have done the balmeray on ice before but well, cowboy no i still remember uh <laughs> ian and i were both at uh, an event with um balvini john wingo with, with john wingo balvini and at that event we were allowed to taste the 30 year balvini now this is something that i can tell you is way out of the price range both of oh, us yeah. would ever be mm-hmm. able to buy. So it was a thrill to be able to taste it. And then as we're, you know, sipping it and he said, now trying now try adding a drop of, or two of water, I was like, Are you kidding me? But it was amazing. <laughs> Even this incredibly expensive and incredibly he went as far, rare. He went as far as dumping water into it. Yeah. And trying and it's amazing how the flavor Not a developed. bucket of water. Right. But, yeah, but, well but, you know, but a splash. With my barrel tasting kit, because I sell a lot of single barrels himself and i always have a uh, dropper of texas right, rainwater right. Um, but by the way all this that we when we back it down to 94 proof the only water that we use is texas rainwater we've got about a hundred thousand gallon capacity out there how do you gather every roof on our uh, ranch is designed to catch rainwater and wow. then we have some big cisterns that we treat it with reverse osmosis and ultraviolet light we wanted the purest water that we could get our hands on and that would be water that never hit the ground, never was in contact with any kind of pesticide or anything like that. I thought they so, only did that on Survivor. I thought yeah. it was... Uh, <laughs> that's pretty awesome, actually. Like that's, wow. that's cool. Well, it's part of the thing that adds to the expense. Um, we're not going to ever back that. We're not going to ever back it down with, with well water or anything like that. But that's so awesome. It's, well, I'm so glad so you awesome. guys are becoming, uh, becoming the thing now because that just allows you to keep that up because it's expensive to do those things. It's very things. expensive yeah. to do those things. It is. All right. But that's also why your whiskeys come in at their price point, but also they taste like that price point. Well, and every bit of it. The, yeah, that's the thing about price point. I don't mind if something's 
expensive. Let's assume it's in my price range. Right. right? I don't mind if it's more expensive as long as it deserves that. What I mm-hmm. don't want to do is buy uh, a, an $80 bottle of whiskey or mm-hmm. bourbon that isn't better than the $30 bottles that I have in my bar at home. Right. When I, yeah. when I spend that extra money, I want to know that I'm spending it well, that I'm getting... Uh, that I'm getting something for it. All right, when we come back, I have a few more. Uh, we have a few more Garrison Brothers questions for you. We're going to also be trying something that I'm really excited about. And Ian, uh, you know, when I got my hands on this, the first thing I thought is, "Oh my God, this is going to be Ian's. <laughs> like, this is going to be your holy grail." It's Epic Brewing's Big Bad Baptista. It is a 2018 rare release Imperial Stout. And I'll tell you all of the things that they do to it because, oddly enough, and you'll appreciate this, they include the ingredients on the label. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. And they tell us what they have put into the beer. Now, did you buy that beer specifically because it had an oh, ingredient? Oh, I wouldn't have bought it without the ingredients label. Are you kidding? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just asking. Why would anyone ever do that? Um, if you're just now tuning in, you have to listen to the beginning of the show to really get that Well, joke. and we'll come back to that because I believe on this show that we have not only tasted amazing Amazing uh, bourbons from Garrison Brothers and some really good uh, IPA from uh, Fat Orange Cat. But I believe we have discovered the Bud Light Killer right here. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. This is the, it, all this needs is to be sampled and, and, and it will sell. destroy and by the way, Bud Light. I'm telling just you. so we're not left out of the ingredients label, this show is one part Ian, one part Cruz, and one part Dayton. That's right. <laughs> and by the way, we can't leave out Adam on the wheels of steel. Absolutely. Uh, so, all right, we'll be right back with our final segment, and we'll be tasting the big bad Baptista, and seeing how that goes with some of these uh, awesome Garrison Brothers uh, that we have been enjoying. It's smoking and toasting. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It is smoking and toast, and we are live at Casa de Monte Cristo at uh, what was at one time, by the way, one of the busiest intersections in North America uh, at uh, 610 and 59 uh, no in Houston. Uh, it's still, I don't know if, whether it still holds that title or not, but it's still, it's still pretty busy. But if you're passing through this area, as so many people in the Houston area do, whether you uh, live or work here, whether you're visiting, uh, this is a great spot now, to used, stop. You used to live just overlooking live, this. I used to be able to see Casa de Monte Cristo from my house. <laughs> you know, kind of like Sarah Palin in Russia. You see Russia uh, right? you know, uh, I could see it from my house. Um, so it's um, uh, it, it's a great place to stop. You can uh, enjoy uh, great um, cigars. They have a wonderful humidor. Uh, ask for our buddy Ken Wynn. He is Awesome. Well, all the guys here are awesome. Yeah, but, they're all great. Uh, they're, they're all and great. And he's actually out of town this week. That's yes. why we don't see him today. But. Yes. Otherwise, we'd drag him over here and uh, feed, him, <laughs> feed, him, feed him some Garrison Brothers. Um, uh, Adam has uh, over by the camera now the bottle of Big Bad Baptista. Just wanted to show you that because it's really an outstanding label. And, uh, you know, the more craft beer grows and evolves, mm. and I'm sure this is true in the spirits world, uh, too, the more important the packaging and labeling has become, and especially in the craft beer world, the more creative they've become. Now that label is outstanding with isn't with, it? Uh, with with bourbon and with with spirits. 
you are looking for a certain element of probably sophistication and refinement in your packaging. With craft beer, it's almost gone the other way. It's almost like the crazier they can get, the more fun it is. And uh, and that's that's been a fun trend to watch. I mean, we showed you the fat orange cat earlier. I mean, that's just that looks like a, a an illustration done by a second grader, but it's cool. It's it's really fun. in a very cool way. Yeah, yes. it's really it's really fun. Uh, and the Big Bad Baptista, which we just showed you, I mean, this is something that's, you know, I mean, this is pretty exciting. These these, these guys are, <coughs> excuse me, these guys are, are doing a limited release, and they have, uh, they have really kind of outdone themselves, I think, with the labeling. It's brewed by Epic Brewing Company, which is from Salt Lake City, Utah, which shows you that there are people that live there that are not Mormon. And uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful uh, brewery that has won all kinds of awards. And this, oh my God, Ian, I'm I'm watching you pour that into a cup, and it honestly, we've joked about viscosity, but it honestly looked like you were pouring motor oil into a cup. It really did the way that it the way that it went in. This looks nice and big. You could probably just stand up a spoon in the middle of it. Probably could. Do we need more cups? I have some more here. If uh, we need. We're good here. Uh, just in case. All right. Um, so the Big Bad Baptista is a uh, uh, available. It's it's a limited release. It's available only in the bomber, and it is a it's an imperial stout. So I knew right away there were, was a good chance you were going to like it, because this is right in your uh, you're, yeah, uh, you're, your Ian wheelhouse. You're definitely in my wheelhouse at that point. But in here's time. what it says: It's imperial stout with Mexican coffee, cacao nibs, vanilla, and cinnamon flavor added, and 100% aged in whiskey barrels. Is there anything about that description? That you don't like. <laughs> that's that's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, so I wonder if I wonder if Bud Light's list of ingredients will look like that. I'm pretty sure it's not Since going. They're going to gonna release yeah. that tomorrow. But you know, we'll know in a day because that list is coming out. So <laughs> we're very excited, mm. and uh, I'm going to have to go out and buy my first uh, 12 pack of Bud Light cans. Like, oh, I don't know, ever, uh, just to see the uh, ingredients. Later. So first off. Um, like right on the nose is that vanilla and cacao nibs. It's so mm. big. The coffee kind of follows it up. Wow, coffee! Your, yeah, the coffee hits you after. Yeah, when yeah. you take your first taste of this, all that sweetness right up front, and then finishes with that nice coffee bitterness. Man, I'm getting cinnamon toast. Yeah, on wheat bread with coffee. That is fantastic. Cinnamon toast. Yes. Cinnamon toast. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Um, Maybe even a little powdered sugar on top. This yeah, is you're big. right. This there is, is there is, is some huge. powdered sugar, you're and right. um, I think I need more testing on this one. Well, go ahead. <laughs> testing is important uh, because you're a man that loves research, and uh, that's one of the things that I appreciate about it. It's you. really amazing when you pour it into the glass; it just it doesn't move much. No, <laughs> I, that's what I said. It looked like motor oil when you were pouring it. It like it sort of. I don't want to uh, say this word, but it globbed into the glass almost. <laughs> you know, it was uh, that sounds less appetizing. However, uh, it's. Man, I love the, uh, the. There's just enough uh, carbonation in there to keep it interesting, mm -hmm. but not enough to get in the way. Um, it's cold too right now. I bet this is amazing. Warmed up about ten more degrees. Well, you'll you're gonna know taste. Shortly. You're gonna taste like <laughs> nothing but gingerbread at that point in time. That's fantastic. Mm. Really, is good stuff. Now you mentioned uh, uh, in between one of the segments that you are. A fan of the bigger beers, the stouts, and the yeah, porters I, I, and things. I, whenever I go sit in a bar, I go, what do you got dark and heavy on tap? Mm -hmm. yeah, so yeah. mm -hmm. Well, uh, as uh, those who are regulars to the show know, I have to be careful about letting Ian bring the beers <laughs> because he will start with, like, 
nine percent, and then go up and from then it there. Goes up from there. And you know, we've got to make it through the whole show. It's very important, you know. And I, I've never quite mastered that. Um, what you were t- uh, talking about earlier, that way of uh, tasting it without actually tasting it. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've never been very good at that, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately. Yeah, I always I succumb to the actual tasting it. Mm. Well, so. I think this is quite good, and. As you mentioned, Ian, you get all of those flavors that were described on the bottle, do you, but they do hit you in different places. Yeah, it's as you interesting. Take. Do you happen to remember how much a bottle of this uh, mm. goes for? I'm going to say it's in the $20 range. Yeah. 11.7%. Uh, mm. So it's big. It's not insane, but it's pretty big. It's, a, uh, it's definitely a limited release, so if you see this, grab it. Uh, because this is not something that is it's going to be brewed and bottled by available. Epic Brewing, Salt Lake City, Utah, mm-hmm. and Denver, Colorado, and Denver, Colorado. So, uh, so the Denver factor w- may help them be available in more states because I think mm-hmm. more beer out of Colorado makes its way across state lines than uh, than out of Utah. Well, thank you for bringing this, um, especially since you make me put up with all your IPAs. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's it's <laughs> you know, listen, Ian, it's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it. So. Uh, so that's actually. That's, I have to say, both of the IPAs we had earlier were outstanding. Too, so. uh, they really. Were. We, it's it's been a good beer show, and and a really fantastic bourbon show. I wanted to ask you a little bit about, uh, and I realize you're not a distiller, but you but you play one on TV. Uh, but no, you 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 represent the distillers. Yes, and obviously you spent time with these guys. Mm-hmm. What kind of is it a? Is it something that can be learned? Or is it something that is kind of innately in them as a skill or a talent? The ability to take the white dog right. that you've described before it's been in the barrels and have a sense of what that might be once it goes through the aging process. Because I've tasted that white dog before, right. and it's very interesting, but I couldn't tell you, okay, if we right. age this for... X amount of time in this kind of barrels mm-hmm. that it's going to come out like this or like that. I have no idea. Is that it, based on your experience with the distillers? Is it a skill? Is it a, a, a something that can be learned? It is a learned skill. Um, Donis, fortunately for him, he had uh, a few years where it was just him and Dan Garrison and one hundred gallon still, the wow. uh, still that Mister Lee originally created Blanton's on. He sold us back in two thousand five, two thousand six uh, when. Well, he sold it to us before it was legal to have. And we have the rest records to prove it. But um, <laughs> uh, he was able to age beer or bourbon for quite a while and then show the people underneath him how to do it. And uh, he brought J.D. up through the ranks. He brought Rev up through the ranks. Now Samantha's doing it. Uh, he's taught them how to do it. And uh, it, it's something you can learn. you got to be a good deal smarter than me, but they are, and they were able to learn that process. And we've turned out some great distillers out there. But it's the, the tutelage of one Donis Todd. He's somebody that really knows what that, they're doing. Well, he's been doing it for quite a while. And he's, wow. So, yeah, it's, it's something that can be learned. Just, you know, some people are better at it than others. I'm always amazed by their ability to do that. In the same way that I'm amazed mm-hmm. by somebody like an A.J. Fernandez who can say, okay, I'm smelling this tobacco. I'm maybe burning a tobacco leaf and smelling it. If we combine this, 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 and this, now that's we'll different. come out with a yeah. a blend of tobacco that is going to be, uh, you know, that is going to be uh, really, really amazing. And that that's one of the reasons I'm excited. We haven't mentioned this on the show, I think, yet. Uh, but in a couple of weeks, 
Ian and Adam and I will be going uh, to Honduras. Oh, wow. We'll be... JRE uh, Farms. Yes, we'll be the guests of the folks who do the JRE cigars and who are guys that not only grow the tobacco, but also do all of the blending and curing and everything. So we'll get to witness how all of that is done. And I'm just absolutely fascinated by it. And it gets back to what I was saying earlier about today's consumer of spirits and cigars and craft beer. Uh, they seem so much more interested in how the sausage is made, I guess, yeah. uh, than, than maybe back in the old days you'd have said, oh, I like this one, I like this uh, one. Yeah. And these days we want to know why and how. And it's just a very... Uh, interesting evolution, I think, sure. in, in in the consumer. You see that as well? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, I think that's probably the, the best part of our tour is people walk away knowing so much more than they knew before. And I was jokingly, I tell people that you're going to know more about bourbon than you might have wanted to know, but that's, that, that hadn't happened yet. Right. People love the, the process. One of the things I find fascinating about a distillery like yours is, and each one of these you've mentioned, every year it's a little different. Mm-hmm. You have different ingredients, and you let it be. Oh, yeah. Now, there's there's a whole market. Like, if you go pick up a bottle of Glen Levitt, you mm-hmm. expect it to taste a very specific way. Right. Um, and there's a genius and an amazing skill set that goes into uh, someone that can walk in and take the whiskeys that they make at uh, the Glen Levitt Distillery and create the same flavor profile every single time. I can't even imagine how many variables go oh into gosh, that, yeah. but they yeah. come up with a right. product that's the same every time. And that's amazing. Well, that's what differentiates... You guys, you just let it be different. Well, that's the difference between sweet mash and sour mash. Sour mash, you're going to find on almost every bottle of bourbon out there, somewhere on that label, somewhere on that bottle, it's going to say sour mash. And what that means is they're keeping a third of their grains over and over again to maintain consistency. And I always tell people, when we first started doing this, we didn't know what the heck we were doing. And if it was going to be bad, it would have been consistently bad. So we start over every day. We take all the spent grains and we feed them to the cattle. By the way, that's some of the best meat you'll ever I eat. I bet. And uh, mm-hmm. we start over every day. And that's it. So we're, we're getting, you'll always know, like I said, it's Garrison Brothers. But it's going to have uh, subtleties, nuances uh, that are going to differentiate it from well, year to year. I think the market lets it do that too. Mm-hmm. I think I think consumers are smart enough to go. You know what? You guys are putting out this product, and every time you put this out, there's going to be differences, mm-hmm. and that's okay. And like because you, said, you celebrate the differences. Well, yeah. it's like in wine, like as right. you were saying, like you enjoy if you're uh, uh, someone who really enjoys a great red wine, you enjoy the differences in the vintages and right. how this year is different from the previous year, even if it's the same brand, the same mm-hmm. you know label. Um, I, I just wanted to mention that I've tried these two together now, the Cowboy uh, from Garrison Brothers and this uh, Big Bad Baptista. And what I found interesting about it was if you have the Cowboy first and then go back to the Big Bad Baptista, it comes across sweeter than the first try. See if that. See if you pick up on the same thing, Ian. Oh, yeah. It, somehow it brings out... A really pleasant, really wonderful, and now that it's warming up a little bit, gingerbread, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all the way, gingerbread, gingerbread. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is outstanding. Boy, is it? That's a great way to do that, Cruz. You mentioned, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Even though I just stumbled onto it just completely by accident, uh, you mentioned that you do a, a sort of a bourbon one hundred and one uh, thing. Tell me a little bit about that. It's basically a class that I teach. It's. Um, we talk all about the history of whiskey in America, and as you know, bourbon is America's spirit. So we lead up to, well, we dispel a lot of myths, like 
bourbon can only come from Kentucky. Right. Um, we dispelled a lot of myths about who started it and uh, how it became bourbon and uh, why it's signed into law that it's America's spirit. And it, bourbon can only come from America. And it, go into all that. And then we, the last probably 20 minutes that are, are spiel on Garrison Brothers, there's basically a class on the history of whiskey in America and mm-hmm. as it pertains to bourbon. Uh, it's, it's got a long, rich history, and it's a lot of fun to learn about. Uh, it's one of my favorite things that I do for the company. And when you do this, do you talk about what's unique about Texas whiskey and Texas bourbon? Uh, I do. I have a section on that. It's basically, when I start talking about that, I'm talking about sourced whiskey, which um, sourced whiskey is not a bad thing in and of itself. We just, at Garrison Brothers, wish people were a little bit more honest about where they're getting their whiskey from because there's that's a, why you get along with wade woodard yeah well, i was just about that's, to say that he is he is the champion of that well he, he it, is and he's a he's the label critic of a lifetime he, he is uh, the watchdog yes. well yeah. and his thing is simple mm-hmm. if you say you're this mm-hmm. please be, be this that. you yeah. know don't be something don't say else i'm texas whiskey if i'm sourcing it from well, that, north that's carolina our, or something. that's our biggest fear is that people are going to taste the whiskey and go gee that tastes a lot like a kentucky bourbon well guess what it came from EG- mgb mm-hmm. or maybe it came from kentucky uh it was a kentucky bourbon right, right. Uh, so it, we were really or canadian or yeah. whatever yeah well yeah if it's canadian ca- whiskey yeah. Yeah, well if it's canadian it's pretty much not whiskey but um, oh, well, okay well, by by law yeah uh, somebody can, just threw down a gauntlet by, by, by law canadian whiskey only and blended whiskey in general only has to be 20 percent actual whiskey the rest of it is what we call brown vodka it is neutral spirit right with a lot of flavors and colors added to it to to bulk get, it up get so the profile speak. that they're looking for which is a probably a difficult thing to do once and then but to make bourbon you know it, it, there's a lot more that goes into it you've got just a very few things to work with and that's not disparaging anybody's favorite cocktail i'm sorry about that but that's just the way it is how, so, how do you think uh, american bourbon is being perceived in other countries now has there been a a shift in how they look at uh this product coming out of the united states uh, yes, uh, and, and it's more and more in demand all the time. Mm-hmm. I met a guy in uh, Cortez, Florida one time that uh, one of his hobbies was to take a suitcase full of bourbon back to China and uh, getting like $1,000 a bottle for it. Um, it's Ooh. in high demand. Uh, we're not legal in Japan, but I've seen our bottles all over Japan in pictures and stuff like that. So um, it's we're in six different countries, but Japan's not one of them. So that's going to be the name of my album, by the way. Suitcase full of bourbon. <laughs> that's nice. I, like I think it. it works. I think it I like works it. as an album title. But I think uh. it's being well received all over the place. I've, bourbon and whiskey in general, I think, is still on an up, uphill climb. I don't think you're going to see a decline in demand for it for quite a while. It's been an interesting explosion to watch. Mm-hmm. And like all things that explode, they wind up slowing down. It happened to cigars. Uh, it certainly has happened to craft beer. It's not mm-hmm. growing. It's still growing. Mm-hmm. It's not growing as fast as it was growing. And it, it just it drives me a little bit crazy, actually, that people then immediately begin to write um, that... Decline oh, in sales. Yeah, it, decline in sales. Is the, is the craft beer movement over? Is the, uh, is the craft whiskey over? Uh, is Tom Brady 41 and he can't throw the football anymore? <laughs> what, whatever those things are that, that people want to jump in and say. And, and yet... The reality is, I mean, this, take the cigar boom, for example, that happened mm-hmm. in the 90s. The boom was huge. People started smoking cigars that had never smoked cigars before. Uh, tobacco production couldn't keep up with it. The quality of cigars suffered for a little while. But what happened was when the boom died, mm-hmm. 
it left a whole lot more people that were actually interested in smoking cigars and in learning about really good tobacco and what it was like. It left and better so products. It le too. And it left better products because as they as they shuffled to try to be able to figure out how to fill the need, they also had to try to figure out how to keep their quality up. Yeah. And the same thing will happen with craft beer. Craft beer will level off at some point. Oh, sure. But when it does, it's going to be so much huger than it was you know, in the early days mm -hmm. when it was just Sierra Nevada and, and you know, uh, Sam Adams and some mm -hmm. of the first guys. Right. And the, it's gonna, the same thing is going to be true for uh, craft distilled products, whether it's bourbon or, or rum or, or whatever it is. And I, I just think that, that we're going through, we're in such an amazing time right now mm -hmm. for people who enjoy finding out about these products and enjoy... You know, experiencing it. Quick it's a shout great out to, to Sam Adams, by the way. I mm -hmm. went to the movies the other night, and I love that at movie theaters you can get beer now. Mm -hmm. Like that's great. That's so obvious, but it didn't come around here for a long time. And so I'm looking at the beer selection at this theater, and it's crap, 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 dilly, crap, 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 dilly, dilly. Sam Adams, right? Great beer and Sam Adams seasonal. So I'm like, which one's the seasonal? And they had one called, I think it was called Cold Snap. Outstanding beer. Yeah. Oh. Outstanding. Listen, Sam Adams has saved me at so many restaurants where mm -hmm. I look at the me menu and I go, oh, no, no, no. Oh, Sam Adams Boston Lager, I'll take one. Yes. And it's always it's delicious. A great beer, yeah. It's a great beer. I mean, it's just consistent quality year after year, time after time. So I think when the fallout is done from craft beer, it'll be more localized. Like I think so. There are places in St. Petersburg, Florida that you can go, then you can get the beer that they make there. But you can only get it there, mm -hmm. and I think that's it'll probably have that same uh, effect everywhere. That it's you know it'll it'll remain a local product. That's it's, one of those things. Like the whole fact that like a lot of the breweries that open up now are not even going into canning and bottling. Right, they're, right. Just they're, they're opening a, a destination. Yeah. They're a destination spot, and I think I think it's it's an amazing thing because that's how it was before prohibition. Mm -hmm. Oh, know? exactly. That's part of my class is it right you get the bourbon trail used to be get on your horse and ride to the next town because right. there was no distribution <laughs> right now by the way that's not what we want for garrison brothers <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but to a to a degree it was you know if you went to uh, if you went to a, a restaurant they would have their own beer they'd have you mm -hmm. know and and it's becoming kind of like that again which makes it so that like frankly I love to get beers from different places, oh, but it's kind of nice that sometimes you can't get this beer here. Right. Because that means when I go to Florida or when I go to Pennsylvania or when I go wherever, like I can try the beers there and go. Well, that's right. That makes it awesome. Well, you know? it, it does. I mean, the first thing that I'll do when I'm in another city try or in another try town, I'm at a restaurant mm -hmm. and I'll say, what do you have that's from here? You know, what mm -hmm. do you have that's local? Because mm -hmm. that's stuff that I know I might not be able to get back home. And one of the things we're working to do, even on this show is to expand. Obviously, we live in Houston, Texas. We're proud to be here, especially proud today when it's 50 degrees outside instead of minus 50. <laughs> but, uh, but we love championing Houston beers, but we don't want the show to only be about Houston beers or Texas beers. We, uh, we go to Salt Lake City and try to track some of that oh, down. Or no, no, you nailed two of them with this, Salt Lake City and Denver. And Denver, and and this one was Dorchester, which is, uh, I believe, Massachusetts, and then, or, or it could be New York. There's a Dorchester and New York too. Is I there think. a difference? Uh, uh, <laughs> only, yes, but only uh -oh. a small one. Uh, <laughs> and and then Connecticut. I mean, but uh, I think we've learned 
some very interesting things on this show. So as we wrap up, I'd like to see if I can summarize, and you can help me with this. Um, first of all, this Alec Bradley, um, uh, this is a wonderful, wonderful cigar. I'm going to give it a, a huge high mark. Um, it was not inexpensive, but I would still, on the price-to-quality scale, I still put this easily at uh, a five and a half. So the first cigar I smoked, uh, price to quality scale. You're not familiar with this. Five on price to quality is you get exactly what you pay for. Okay. Okay. And so you're punching above your weight class if you if you get over five, and you're punching below your weight class, so to speak, if you get under five. The first cigar I smoked, I'm going to give that probably a four or three and a half because too many problems with it. Good flavor, too many problems. The second cigar I'm smoking here is outstanding. I am this far through it. By the way. This is one of the longest smoking cigars ever. Yeah. It just keeps going. You've been working on that one for a while, and it looks like you just started. And it's not because I've been ignoring it. Uh, this is this is outstanding. This is a chocolate bomb. This is a four square. Um, I can't remember the uh, the exact name of it, but it's four square, and it's it's got a little triangle pyramid thing on the label. It's fantastic chocolate bomb. Goes great with the whiskey. This one, I'm not even sure what I'm paying for, but I'm going to get an automatic six. Ooh. Wow! Like it's outstanding already. Wow. Very nice. Well, uh, I cannot complain about the Drew Estate. Unfortunately for the Drew Estate, I was not paying much attention to it. And I, and <laughs> well, it. We were asking you a lot of questions. Well, based fairness, on your so. scale, I'm going to give this a solid four and a half, five. Mm-hmm. So it's All a right. great nice. cigar. All right. Um, I will also mention a few other things that we learned on the show today. Big Bad Baptista, if you see it, grab it. Yeah, Don't oh, hesitate. 100%. Don't ask how much it costs. Yeah. Just buy one. At least one. Yes. Buy two if you can. Uh, we also learned t- on today's show... That IPAs do not have to be bitter to be delicious. They can be wonderful and and tasty and hoppy and juicy in some cases and be not bitter at all. We also learn Garrison Brothers, good. Garrison Pride Brothers of, rocks. Pride of Texas. This is, uh, honestly, I have to say, we've tried a number of Texas whiskeys and Texas bourbons. You guys are rocking it. I mean, Thank this you, is yeah. this is... Absolutely fantastic. I'm going to recommend, at the price point you mentioned, I'm going to recommend all of these as solid, solid buys worth every penny. Well, thank you very much. And finally, we learned today that ingredients labels be damned. This is so much better than Bud Light and has fewer calories. All I can tell you is, if you're still oh. drinking Bud Light, something's wrong with you. Kudos to Lagunitas. That is a yeah. great beer at 96? 98 calories, 4% ABV, and it's an IPA, and it's not bitter at all. It's Lagunitas Daytime, and this will become a very regular inhabitant of my refrigerator. That's going to be fantastic. such a good summer beer, too. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yep, and... Uh, I'm already thinking about the pool party this summer, and uh, and you and I will be uh, enjoying catching some rays and uh, drinking some daytime. A quick shout out to everybody who uh, piped in on the uh, on the Facebook live feed. Also, shout out to the CCSD brothers. That's uh, the brew club, the connoisseurs club of yeah. smoking and drinking. We have one of them in uh, in house today, and uh, a bunch of them listening. Thanks, guys. Dayton Voss has been our guest, the bourbon evangelist from uh, Garrison Brothers. Uh, this has to be an awesome job because of how good the product is. You know what I mean? I don't get to go to Honduras, but yeah. (laughs) Okay, so I might not look like I'm super excited, but that's because I'm making myself sit down and not jump up and around. I will just say, though, uh, this is a. uh, (laughs) with a little bit of camera obstruction there, but that's okay. Uh, This is. this has got to be good because when you go places, mm-hmm. people are loving what you're bringing. 
oh, what, and, I've got the best job saying. in the world. I enjoy yeah. the heck out of it. Yeah, it it's, is. So, all right. So, uh, a lot going on here on the show. In the next couple of weeks, we will be, as I said, visiting Honduras. Uh, we will also be uh, preparing to welcome uh, some more very special guests in the next uh, in the next few weeks, uh, including on Valentine's Day, Peter Clifton from Ritual in the Ready Room, That's who came on. He is basically Peter Clifton is our sort of uh, uh, show's cocktail expert. So we're going back to him for some perfect romantic cocktails for Valentine's Day, and that'll be a lot of fun. So that'll be coming up. On February 14th. Uh, the following week we'll be in Honduras. We don't know yet about the stability of the internet where we're going to be. So we don't know if we'll be able to do a show live from there. If so, you may get a show from us on like a Monday or Tuesday. Uh, but if not, we will bring segments back and be able to uh, to talk to you about... Uh, I, I can't wait to see you just kind of stroking tobacco leaves <laughs> in the uh, in the uh, in the fields. Uh, yeah, it's going to be yeah, fun. Yeah. So, uh, so again, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Do we need it to bring cigars? Such a pleasure. I'm pretty sure no. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be so fun. Uh, but uh, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm thinking we'll have plenty plenty to smoke, plenty to eat, and plenty to drink. Uh, people, go to your local grocery store tomorrow. Take a look at the ingredients label for Bud Light. It'll tell you everything you need to know. Have a uh, have a wonderful week, my friends. Thank you. Dayton, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, this is some fabulous whiskey. And uh, by the way, I got to say, my favorite was the Cowboy. All right. Uh, love it. <laughs> Absolutely. Have a great week, everybody. Adam, thank you. And uh, cheers. cheers, my friends. Ah!